0: Church boys. Well, well, well. It has, it has been a while.
1: <laughs> I'm so well. I it's know been a while. You've been
0: giddy for the last. What's today? Oh no, no, no! Today's the 18th. Yeah. It, you've been giddy for the last 10 days. You miserable son of a gun.
1: Oh well, here's the thing. I uh, all I heard about. I got I know, instant I messages for months, every day about. I can't wait for my steak dinner. Oh, you just wait until I'm eating my calzone. I, and it really. I know. The, the fascinating part about all of this, as you drink your diet coke and I drink my my coffee, even though it's very late to be drinking coffee, um, while we're recording this, it's it's fascinating that you lost bigly. Big. I mean, like bigly, bigly.
0: It you was lost
1: bigly. Bigly. So you owe me a meal, which I can't even believe. I'm actually shocked by it. See, that's the thing.
0: That's see, that's that's the worst thing about this. It isn't it isn't the fact that Trump won. It's not the fact that uh, that (laughs) it's the fact that it's not even the fact that I lost. It's that I know that you're just gonna be insufferable
1: about this. Oh. Well, you know, oh hold on. Wait a minute. I Sorry, I'm just I'm writing in Ted Cruz's name over here on my paper over and over again, because I know that's what you did on Election Day. And I'm sure it made you feel so nice and so good about yourself. Um, and that's fine. I'm glad you feel good. I know, I'm glad you I feel know. like you have a little political efficacy. You have a little control in some way. I'm glad you feel that way. But the reality is uh, Hillary. And I actually did not think I thought Hillary was going to win towards the end because you brainwashed me every day for months. For months. I did. But,
0: I I tried.
1: I tried, but I will say I did call it in the summer of twenty fifteen, even oh, once, I know. And I, like July. That I thought maybe this man might make it all the way, I and know. then I abandoned that. And, but here we are. I was right, <laughs> and, then, and now I owe you a steak dinner. And I cannot, you, yeah, I, cannot I, express, kill I cannot express to you enough how much I, I hate you. So. <clears throat> Well, on election night, you and I were talking, and <laughs> I was messaging you. And, you know, here's the thing about a little secret about Chris Field. Yeah. As much as he did not like Donald Trump, the joy that he felt in thinking about Hillary trashing her campaign headquarters oh, in oh, anger as the re- returns were coming in was so overwhelming that he actually almost became a Trump supporter <laughs> during I, the election return. I,
0: I think I, I have to be honest here, and and uh, – I have to be honest. <clears throat> By the time the night was over, I was claiming to be a Trump voter. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but oh man, uh, it was. It's uh, you know what? Let's uh let's start the show and then we'll get into this. How about that? All right. All right. Just let's a do it.
2: Ladies and gentlemen,
0: Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys from the supply.
3: The ridiculous, but mostly
4: ridiculous. I
1: hate these guys. You lost, you lost, you lost, you lost, you lost.
0: Keep going because I deserve (laughs) it.
1: Um, yeah, that was boy,
0: that was something, wasn't it?
1: But, um, well, you voted, obviously. You wrote in Ted, for Cruz. I did Cruz. not write
0: in anybody. I did not do any write-ins.
1: There were oh, you just t-
0: left it blank. No, I didn't. Wait, you voted? I did vote. Yeah. Joel Stein? No. I, Gary I, Johnson? I was one of nine voters in my county who supported Daryl Castle, the Constitution Party candidate. <laughs> nine. <laughs> nine people in the county. Wait, nine. Wait. Oh, this is a this two is embarrassing. Of, wait, wait, um, no, here's a, here's the interesting thing. There were nine. Two of the other nine were were my uh, were relatives of mine. So I know that a third of the a third of the support that Daryl Castle got in my county came from my family.
1: I didn't realize. I thought you were gonna write in Teddy for Cruz.
0: No, 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 no. I um. No, I don't do write in things. That's silly.
1: So you v- <laughs> did vote for somebody who was <laughs> right, on the ballot.
2: Right. right. <laughs>
0: Write in is way more silly than voting for Daryl Castle.
1: <laughs> no, I, oh, I actually I, 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 do I think for... write ins are sort of silly. Yeah,
0: <clears> no, I, <clears it for, throat> I, I wrote it for a guy on the ballot. I wrote it for Daryl Castle, he was on the ballot.
1: Let me ask you did you almost select Trump? Like, was there a no. part of you that thought, should I? Because you were um, afraid of burning in hell.
0: No, no, I was, it was, I'll tell you what it is. And, and I think where I feel justified in it now, excuse me. And it's, um, there was a part of me that wanted to just simply because, you know what, let's just send a message. We don't want Hillary except the fact that uh, Washington's going to go to Hillary and I figured she's going to win anyway. It doesn't, didn't even matter. So part of my thinking was, and it has been uh, affirmed in a way is that I have a way of saying when people say. It, you know, part of me, th- I I had no belief that he was gonna win. Other, I mean, like I, I was ninety five percent sure she was gonna win, wasn't I? I mean, I was so least, was the New York Times, right? And so, but there's a part of me that goes, <clears throat> if he wins, I have plausible deniability, right? For th- with the people who say, how could you guys elect a racist or a sexist or a homophobe or whatever you want to call him? And I don't believe any of those things about him, but maybe sexist, maybe uh but uh, because now i'm seeing from messages from friends of mine evangelical friends of mine christian friends of mine on on the left who are are writing and saying things like hey listen you guys own them and you have destroyed the label of evangelical in america because you have said you know what we're going to look past racism and sexism and bigotry oh please and and so and and because our interests in these other things are more important than Than the accusations of sexism, and listen, I don't, I don't believe those things about him. However, I can say to them, I didn't. First of all, you can't paint me with that brush. I didn't vote for the for the guy, right? Now that's not my. Wait a minute. No, 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 that's not my reason. That's not my reason for not voting for him. My reason for not voting for him, I have made evident many, many times on this show. But that was that was a backup thing. Like, you know what?
1: I'll continue to not. Can I say something about these people though that say this because it makes me insane? Here's the thing, and I'm not. I was never a Trump supporter the entire time, even right. though it, it appeared at moments as though I was. I, I was not. I, I wish neither of them were the candidate. We know this. We've been over this a million times. Right. But when these people come out and say, "Oh, you evangel, you terrible, evil, no good, very bad, deplorable evangelicals," how could you have done this? These are the very same people who always dislike what evangelicals are saying and doing, and yeah. by the way, have told evangelicals for probably. Two to three decades now that they shouldn't vote only based on their faith. It's you know you shouldn't do that. Right. We have a separation of church and state, and you should be able to elect people who aren't theocrats, which I agree with obviously. But their definition of a theocrat is insane. Yes, and I agree. You know, they assume everybody who believes in God's a theocrat, and they tell these people not to vote that way. And so for the first time, evangelicals in a bad situation. Some choose to do what you did, and the nine people in your county did, <laughs> most <laughs> mostly your family, um, and others. <laughs> (laughs) chose to vote trump which is fine either either way um but they choose to finally say you know what i'm gonna do this even though i don't believe in what this man believes and suddenly they're terrible evil bigots who are everything that the candidate they represent it's just it's insane to me
0: i know so that's that's the thing that kills me like i read a a long a long piece from a liberal friend of mine in seattle which is redundant i mean every every friend i would have in seattle is a liberal because they all are (laughs) But a liberal friend of mine in Seattle, who who I have a lot of respect for, and he and I have had some very healthy, friendly debates, intense debates, um, and he knows where I stand. And I I know where he stands, and we don't <coughs> doubt each. I don't doubt his heart at all, and I, 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 he doesn't doubt mine. Um, but he had a long piece about it, you know how evangelicals have tarnished the brand. Like this is this is now the brand. For, nobody's going to care what evangelicals have to say because you're willing to say you know what? I don't care that he's racist. All of my other interests are more important. Now, I don't believe that about him, right? If, if, you know, and that would be something to say if indeed it were true about him, but it's not true about him. <clears throat> but what's interesting is, uh, and I want to respond, and I didn't because it just wasn't the right, I didn't have the right attitude about it, but. I will tell you what I was thinking of responding, and maybe I may need to perfect how I would respond it. Is say, listen, it's interesting. You put this. Obviously, you're writing this on Facebook because you so love it when people on the right talk about Christians. Who? How could they possibly vote for someone who believes in the murder of babies because they're pro-abortion at at nine months? By right, the way, right at nine. I, so, this is my, the point so, I was going to make. Right. So you can say you can say about me that I'm willing to overlook racism and bigotry in order to support my agenda but you would you're you would hit the ceiling if i said you're willing to look look aside look past infanticide to support your liberal agenda so what you you don't put i I wouldn't assume that about you don't assume that about me
1: well, you know, I know that principles are a really hard thing for a lot of people these days, understanding them. And Trump does not have many of the principles that I would, that I would want in a candidate, although right. at the very base of it, I, and I think you would even have to admit this, the hope—we don't know that he's going to do this—the hope is that he will at least embrace the 30,000-foot view principles based yeah. on the people around him, since so. he's sort of an open slate right now. I hope so. That he would embrace those things and I, that we they would agree more I, with I, our worldview.
0: And And I hope that— and as, and as Glenn has said, and, and you know, I risk, risk quoting Glenn, but he has said, and I agree with, and I think you do too, I will support him until I can't.
1: Yes, I do right? agree I, with that's, that. That's Although that's I, my, I haven't that's... enjoyed some of Glenn's Bannon comments, but <laughs> yes. Um... So we can
0: discuss, let's discuss Bannon later. But as far as Trump goes, I what Glenn said about I will support him until I can't anymore is exactly how I was feeling Tuesday evening when the results started to roll in. That's how I felt. I felt, you know what? Maybe it's not going to be that bad. Certainly, but I'll I'll tell you, but it goes back to, I was having a ball.
1: (laughs) You you were so happy. I was dancing
0: around. I had taken off all my clothes. I was dancing around my office. Well, they weren't here. I'll tell you what made me so happy because I heard things like, oh, like this from our friend, Rachel Maddow. This is your life now. This is our election now. This is us. This is our country. It's real. Wait, <laughs> it didn't even play the whole thing Try it again you go. You're awake, by the way You're not having a terrible, terrible dream Also, you're not dead and you haven't gone to hell This is your life now This is our election now This is
1: us, this is our country right. I, th- I thought the first half was about The people being forced to watch our show <laughs> like, it, 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 <laughs> But I am assuming It was about Trump and then, there was, Wait,
0: and then there was this, which was my All-time favorite reaction
4: that has to be a joke, I did not believe this Happening. I'm literally about to f***ing kill myself and I'm not kidding. You better f-ing fix this right now. I literally am going to die. I need an ambulance. I can't believe...
1: I can't believe you brought John Seidel's personal... <laughs> <laughs> I
2: but,
1: didn't realize that we had access to his personal video log. That
0: That is all I could think about Tuesday night. <laughs> it wasn't the Trump victory. It was the Oh my goodness! This the state of liberals right
1: now is total. T- <laughs> because they're total swimming melting. in their emotions. They they're, are, they're drowning in their emotions. They have been for decades. I know. And, I know. I, and when I say us versus them, I mean the far people on the far left who yeah. aren't looking at logic. This is insane that you're that. Yeah, is it depressing when you your candidate loses? Yeah, yeah. it is. You yeah, yeah. but is it that depressing? I hope honestly. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, if this is how
0: but I, see, that's just, the, that's I have nothing thing.
1: nice to say, so I'm stopping right. myself.
0: Right. But here, so here's the thing. So the, so you have this reaction of these folks who react this way on online and then it leads to what? It leads to protests and riots. And they had actual riots in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon, riots in the streets. It's as though we are some third world or some sort of central or South American, you know, strongman government. The, the people scream, well, and riot, scream and riot when we have an election. No, this is not same, how America this works. is the same
1: state that fined Baker's $135,000, too? But, it, mean, wasn't this just, is, but it wasn't just Oregon. You've seen it everywhere, right? Yeah, You've seen it on yeah.
0: campuses. You've seen it every place. And the fact is, and it finally hit me, and, and I'm interested to know your thoughts on this theory. There's a whole lot of theories out there. One of my, one of mine is, and I buy into it, and that is that the millennials, and I'm not going to let you get away with saying it's as you... I, as I know you have said before, that you are on the, the upper end of the millennial
1: generation. Because how old are you? 33, which I'm at literally the cutoff of That's millennials. Right. So, Although it does go to 35, according to Bart. It just depends on what you're 34 or whatever. From. So
0: you're on the upper end of millennials, the lower end of Generation X. We would accept you in Generation X. We would let you come. I would, with, we would, I would let love you come. to skip we would, over. We would love Would love to have you. yeah um, <laughs> But if you think about millennials, especially like 26 year olds, right? 26 and under, the 26 and 27 year olds, even 28 year olds, think about the, the elections they have, been, they have participated in, right? This is their first loss. They've, they have been told their entire life, their entire lives, that they are winners. They have been told their entire lives, hey, you get to have a trophy because you're special. They have never had to deal with disappointment. They have never had to deal with losing. They've never had to deal with being losers. They've never been told they are losers except from people like us, but they just laugh it off because we're right wing nut jobs. Well, the fact is they're losers and now they're realizing what it's like to lose and they don't like it. And so they they don't know how to react to it other than I'm going to scream and yell and take my toys and and go home except for the fact I'm going to break your toys first and then I'm going to go home because that's (laughs) because they have never lost
1: before. They've never lost something big before. It's sad. I mean, it's sad that this is. But you know what, like and and I've spent a lot of time the last you know year looking and I know you've looked at some of this stuff, too, looking at data and what people believe and why they believe it and young people in particular, how disconnected they are from morality. And all of this is coming crashing down because it's all interrelated the way that people process things, the ability to see other people's viewpoints. I honestly think I really do think social media has played a very negative role in, in the development of people people's ability to have dialogue ironically yeah. um and I think young people in particular were only looking for the things we like and look there's no excuse for this it's a legitimate election the orange man won more than he needed to win in the electoral college and became president we have a giant tropicana who's going to enter the white house okay right. in Ju- in january and when that happens i can say he won legitimately so to me and I would say the same for Hillary and I would tell the crazy conservatives who would be rioting and I'm assuming that wouldn't happen but let's yeah. pretend it would yeah to get the hell out of the streets
0: yes <laughs> we would have <laughs> that and that's the thing if if people on the right were rioting and screaming they wouldn't because one they have jobs right they would be going to work the next day this isn't this right. isn't how we act this isn't how we operate on the right however if there were people on the right acting like this I should even say people on the right If there were groups of Trump supporters who were acting like this in the wake of a Hillary victory, there would be grownups around them going, stop it. Stop doing that. Act like an adult. Well,
1: well, the other part of this you have now is that every single person who passes gas is doing it because Donald Trump told them to. And so you have these claims that Donald (laughs) Trump has incited racism and attack. And look, I, I will say this. We don't know. I'm not saying that no, no, nothing has come from his words because there are crazy people who will seize yeah. on other people's words yeah. and claim that it motivated them. And there may be crazy people who have been motivated. But hate crimes, all this stuff has been happening for eons. And now what, what is happening is everybody is seizing on these numbers with no evidence at all that these incidences are, are attached to Trump in any way. Yeah. These incidents are attached to Trump. So to me, I think that's... Just ideological malpractice. It's silly. It's stupid. And it's dangerous. And we've also got, by the way, anti-Trump people attacking people. we And we've seen that happen, too, have we not? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think on both sides we need to be careful what we're attributing, where we're placing blame for these things. Right. What do you think?
0: I, I, I think you have to blame the—we like to think—remember, we and we've had discussions about, you know, what causes crime. Listen, criminals cause crime. And the root cause of crime, as as I believe it's one of Limbaugh's truths, the root cause of crime is criminals. Blame the criminal for being a criminal. Don't give them excuses. Don't give them a pass. Understand, okay,
1: listen, there's a
0: someplace you're coming from, but it's still not okay to act the way you're acting. Stop it.
1: Right. No, so, exactly. And but they don't have any I, adults look,
0: they don't have any adults around them telling them to stop it, to knock it off. They're still children. They're on their parents' insurance until they're twenty six years old. They're children. They act like children.
1: well, and I, I think, yeah, I, and I think that's part of the problem is the entire strata of millennials, particularly those in the younger on the on like that younger end of millennials, they are living as though they're children. They're acting as though they're children. Yeah. And not everybody. There's a lot of great millennials. But I think when we look at what do they believe about God, we know for a fact they're the least connected to God. What yeah. do they believe about absolute morality? Nobody believes in absolute morality. I mean, it is, it's is—it's relativism, it's yeah. chaos, it's insanity, and that is why a lot of these people are flocking now, out you to said the streets.
0: There, you're, there are, you said there's a whole lot of great millennials. Is that what you said? I mean, look, I know oh, no, some no, no, good— no. I, You said there's a whole bunch of great millennials. Name. I would say there are some great millennials. <laughs> You've brought it down to some. There are some name. Well, not, uh, at least thirty percent no, 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 have no, no. to be great. No, no. Name five.
1: <laughs> um, name five. Okay. Name I five would say great millennials,
0: and not counting yourself.
1: Ben Shapiro. He's a millennial, right? Uh, I think he's older than you. Alicia Krause, um, uh, who was Hannity's no. producer. Um, pretty wait, much wait, anybody, You can't just
0: start uh, naming random people who are behind the scenes. I'm talking well, about Well, no, she's actually actual... a radio host
1: now, too. Oh, okay. She's a radio host. Um, I mean, I could probably... I mean, so could you're go through people you People I know personally, right, right. Well, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, but
0: you're struggling, you're struggling to name two. Well, because you want famous the, people. And one of them is I mean, how many famous isn't?
1: people... You, you want famous people, or do you want normal dum-dums?
0: We can go... I, okay, Gordon, normal dum-dums.
1: I'm not I mean, I counting could, yourself or your people wife. People that I know who are good. I mean, Sarah Rivette. I mean, nope. she's flawed but amazing. <laughs> um, <we've, laughs> look, John Seidel. Nope. Jason.
2: <laughs>
0: Jason J- J- you, you, you realize all you're doing right now is you're just proving my
1: point. Jason. Oh yeah, These people are gonna hear this. I know, but well, it's, I'm
0: just because I, I'm playing the I'm the old curmudgeon. Of course. <laughs> oh, get no, but,
1: on, <laughs> Look, I think I think that we Darn have an – ab- my issue with millennials is there's too many of them, of them. that are – There's too many of them. Th- <laughs> there's too many of them that are out to lunch, right? They're, yes, they're, yes. There are bigger proportions of other generations who and it's are not, great. And, and it's
0: not even a matter of being out to lunch. It is entitlement that is an issue for me. It's a big issue. And I have an issue with anybody who has a sense of entitlement. I don't care if they're a senior citizen or if they're a kid. People with if they're in your age range, you mean? Oh yeah, even me, my age. Anybody? I mean, you said senior you, citizen. You're funny. I right? see. I got. I got your joke. I'm just trying to just move past it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but anyway, so uh, I don't know. It's, but what do you think happens now? Inauguration comes, and well, you're going to have the, all these women and others marching out in the streets. Mean, I mean, I this
0: just it, seems so contrived. insane to well, me. Well, it's becoming. It's beginning to the point where it's contrived now, though. And we get into this—we've got an interview we're going to play here pretty
1: soon. That We get into this a little bit with uh, with Jay, right? Why don't we just play that? Why don't we get into it right now? All right. So we we talked, and just a quick introduction, we talked with Jay Richards, Dr. Jay Richards, who oh. is a <laughs> business and economics <laughs> professor Doctor, at Doctor Catholic Jay. University. He's also the founder, co-founder, and he's an editor over at The Stream. Uh, and I, I love talking. We're going to have him on more because he was more. great. He, was he, great. Needs to
0: come back. he needs to come back on because he— he actually gets the joke, and he's intelligent. So there's very few of us who get the joke and are smart, which I'm not one of.
1: He was the, the only intelligent person yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> there's, there's
0: three of us on the phone call, and only a third of us were intelligent.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> so... Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys Podcast, and I have Chris Field on the line. We also have Dr. Jay Richards, executive editor and co-founder of The Stream, and a professor at Catholic University. How you doing today, Dr. Richards?
5: Just fine. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. We have, and and actually, Chris and I, we have had debates for months about this because I was I was convinced that Donald Trump was going to win, not because I was mm-hmm. a Donald Trump supporter, but just looking at sort of how things were shaking out. And then towards the end, I was <laughs> right. I was sort of saying, oh, this it's not going to happen. Maybe he's not going to win. And then election night came, mm-hmm. That's, and yeah. Donald Trump won. Okay, so um, now here's here's he
0: now, now let's now let's now let's look at the facts. Billy didn't think Trump was yeah. going to win. He wasn't convinced Trump was going to win. However. <laughs> He was convinced that he needed to do everything he could do to put a thumb in my eye for the last year. So that—that's the truth of the situation. He did not actually anticipate a Trump win, though he did win a steak dinner for me because I was convinced of a Hillary Clinton win. So now that we've got that anyway, straightened out,
5: wow. you're well, lying. Tell us, tell
0: you're us lying. Why you're thinking, lying. You're lying to a uh, Dr. Richards. Are you a priest as well?
5: I'm not a priest. I'm actually a lay Dominican. Uh, The Dominicans are a Catholic order, and there is some orders, non-Catholics won't necessarily know this, but they're not all monks. Some of the religious orders have priests, they have uh, brothers and sisters, they also have lay members, and I'm actually a lay Dominican, so I'm married and have two kids, actually, so definitely not a priest.
0: Okay, so Billy just lied to a a to a a lay Dominican, then?
1: There you go.
5: <laughs> yes, late Dominican.
1: <laughs> but tell us why. Tell us why you think Trump won. Because I'd love, you know, from your perspective, why you think it shook out the way it did.
5: I honestly think I had been reading Scott Adams, uh, you know, famous Scott Adams, of the Dilbert cartoon, for a year or more, talking about Trump, and I, I was of the opinion that he could definitely win if he did the right thing. Part of it was because I think he communicates to people in a way that's it's hard for us academics and uh, you know people that focus on policy to realize most people when they're watching TV listening to people speak to them, they're not following, they're not listening in the same way that, say, a reader would look for complete sentences and clear paragraphs. They're looking for something else. And I was convinced that Donald Trump spoke to a segment of the population that was not used to being spoken to by politicians, more likely to feel like they're being spoken down to, if anything. And I think Donald Trump just pulled that off. Despite the fact that he's a billionaire and a kind of, Plutocrats. He maintained this Queen's accent that, you know, sounded like a working class guy, and I think he just spoke to a lot of people like that. Scott Adams had been arguing that, in fact, he was a master persuader, and was really thinking he was going to win. I also thought right at the end he was going to mess it up for himself, simply by not apologizing profusely enough after that famous Billy Bush uh, yeah. audio video came out. But I, the whole time, thought Hillary Clinton was the worst possible politician. I've always thought she was absolutely <laughs> yeah. terrible. I had absolutely none of her uh, husband's skills. If you try to watch her with the sound off; it drives you crazy. If you try to watch her with the sound off on, it drives you even more crazy. And so I thought <laughs> it, it was just definitely something that Trump could win, despite the fact that he was unconventional. I was mainly worried, to tell you the truth, and for a long time was kind of really a Donald Trump critic. Uh, honestly, because of his economic views more than anything, I just don't like the protectionist language. I don't like the way in which he talks about trade very often as a zero-sum game, so that for you know China to succeed, we have to lose, and vice versa. I, I just disagree uh, on the merits on those sorts of things. But I do think, frankly, what's happened since Donald Trump was elected is a lot of, from my perspective, heartening development. I'm a social and an economic conservative. And here's the irony, I think that the supreme irony of the Trump campaign is that lots of conventional and elite Republican politicians, especially in the Northeast, either opposed him or dismissed him or attacked him beforehand. And these are the guys that would be running the transition right now in any normal uh, Republican presidential win. But they've sort of marked themselves out. And as a result, we have people that would now be marginalized, people like Ken Blackwell from the Family Research Council. Uh, conservative evangelical that would be there for window dressing that makes all the Christians feel good about the, uh, about the administration, but not actually wielding any real power. Well, uh, as it is, Ken Blackwell is in charge of the domestic side of the transition team. That's just one example of a kind of irony in which most of us Christians looked at the Trump campaign as sort of number 18 of the 17 people running originally And yet the weird, unconventional way in which it was won and the way alliance is sort of laid out, I honestly think that a lot of conservative Christians playing a much more influential role than they would have if a more conventional Republican politician had won.
1: Do you think, because I think one of the big questions has been, you know, look, nobody believes, I mean, maybe some people do, but nobody really believes that Donald mm-hmm. Trump. And I'm not saying he's not a Christian, I'm not saying it's not in his heart, but sure. nobody believes that he's the Sunday church going Christian who gets evangelicals, who understands the issues fully, but he has had this openness. Right. And so the yes. critique, the critique is maybe he's is he manipulating people? Is he not? In your view, how genuine do you think his quest to understand is and and how how much do you think that will continue to carry over, you know, into the administration?
5: I think it's absolutely genuine, and I mean, part of that is that he has not tried to feign uh, a kind of cr- deep Christian faith that he doesn't have, but even when he talks about Christianity, you know, when he says, he doesn't say, we evangelicals, he says, the evangelicals, right? It's like, he's quite <laughs> clear that, okay, he, you know, he does self-identify as a Christian, in fact, a lot of people may not know he grew up going to, Norman Vincent Peale's church, but that's not the most sort of solidly orthodox theology. I think when you listen to Trump speak, if anything, that's what you hear. I think he was well catechized by Norman Vincent Peale. It just wasn't really robust robust orthodox Christian theology. But I, I honestly think that he is sincerely curious. I think he was taken aback by a number of prominent evangelicals that were nice to him and befriended him behind the scenes. I think that was significant. And I think now I just think what's happening is, okay, who are my friends? Who are the people I trust? Uh, And a lot of these people have ended up being very good people, some of whom kind of took a hit for being associated with him him early on, because I I totally agree. I don't think anybody really believes he's a sort of rock-solid conservative Christian. That's the sort of irony of this, is that in some ways he's discovering these things and discovering these people late in life. But I just think we ought to be open to – weird things that can happen that none of us could have orchestrated ahead of time. And so at the moment I, I'm far more hopeful, about the prospects for his administration than I would have been if we'd had this conversation three months
0: ago so what what do you say what do you say about the the people who during the election and listen I wasn't I shouldn't say I was a ne- I, Billy was gonna call me a never Trumper I wasn't you a ne- were a never no, 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 never Trumper it's no, fine no, 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 no. I wasn't like a radical never Trumper I was just like I'm willing, Not radical. I'm, I'm willing you, to uh, I'm, you weren't
1: on a jihad I, against but you were but I said you know, there but was... I,
0: okay but but I said I said that I was willing to be convinced it wasn't likely but I was willing you to did. be convinced mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't a stalwart Never Trumper. That said, sure, I had a lot of issues with, and I know a lot of my Christian friends, including including evangelical liberal friends, who who had issues mm-hmm. with how how can a Christian uh, go about supporting someone who has been abusive to women, who speaks the way he does, who acts the way he does, and I'll, uh, questioning the, the and those folks go as far as to question the 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 heart of the people who who supported Donald Trump. I wouldn't go that far. But I do have questions about the idea of a of someone who is a sold out believer in Jesus Christ going then along and supporting Mm -hmm. how and I know different people can put things aside in different ways. And and I get all that. What was your stance on those arguments of of evangelicals on the right and on the left who said, I'm not sure how you can call yourself a Christian and support candidate X, whether it was Hillary or Trump, but especially Trump since he won.
5: I think a lot of it depended, for me, on individual arguments. I mean, frankly, some of, my, some of my best friends, including some of my colleagues at the screen, were avid never-Trumpers. I never was, just because I felt like once he, he got the nomination, my feeling was, okay, like, let's make the best deal we can. But I think if someone was arguing, uh, I as a Christian, this guy is by far the best possible candidate, and I'm going to do everything I can to support him, that's just a bizarre argument. And it, that was a couple of the people that came out early— in support of him when there are other options, I found it just completely bizarre. Exactly. On the other hand, I I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that people, a lot of patricians that were looking at that way, after the nominations that happened, were looking at things correctly. Because whether you're supporting a politician or a candidate for office, it's compared to what? You want to know, okay, what's the alternative? And so if we're actually going to say, well, unless somebody's an upstanding and virtuous person, an ideal person, I can't support him, then... I, that's just bizarre, because there aren't going to be any people like that running. Um, and in this case, I think, yeah, all of the things you said about Donald Trump were true and unsavory. And I, in fact, when the Billy Bush tape came out, I wasn't a bit surprised. I assumed he'd been speaking these kind of Howard <laughs> yeah. Stearns type interview yeah, yeah, comments yeah. for his whole life, his whole adult life. I also thought that the live alternative was Hillary Clinton and all the po- policies she promised to propagate if she were elected? And that was always the relevant question once the nominations had been happened. One of those two people, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, was going to be president. And at that point, you have to ask the sort of broader question, what are the likely policies they'll implement? Who are the 4,000 people they're likely to bring into the federal government with them? And we start asking the question that way, if you're conservative, why well, you just pull up the Democratic and the Republican platforms and look at them and so looking at the likely people that would come into the administration, and it seemed to me it was an easy answer. So if you're looking at it as an endorsement of the person and the personal life of the candidate, uh, that's sort of impossible, I think, for a Christian. But if a Christian is saying, well, look, which one is most likely to be good for life, which one is most likely to protect my religious liberty, uh, then I think that's, that's frankly where I think a lot of former Never Trumpers ended up, at least among Christians. I talked to dozens of them. A week before the election and they said i don't really like donald trump i'd love to vote for someone else but i'm voting in self-defense and hillary's pledge to keep coming after us and coming after christian florists and forcing nuns to buy contraception they don't want and donald trump isn't all that clear on it but he hadn't pledged to come after us so i'm going for him And so i think that's what actually happened at the end is a lot of silent shy trump voters and former never trumpers uh, pulled the lever for him because of the fact that hillary clinton was the alternative
0: Do you mind if I ask if that's where you found yourself?
5: That is where I finally found myself. And it was honestly, my wife uh, was much more stalwart on this than I was. That might be counterintuitive to people. But she said, look, it doesn't really matter who the Republican is. If he's better than Hillary Clinton, we have a moral obligation to do everything we can to stop Hillary Clinton from entering the White House. That was my wife's position. Um, And so that's finally where I ended up as well. I, I, I've met Donald Trump, I, I know him somewhat, and I know the type of person he is behind the scenes, and I, that helped me uh, a good bit because I had the contrast between this kind of public TV persona and the man himself. And I, I honestly think what we've seen since the election is more of the man himself, who, despite all the flamboyant braggadocio that you see on TV, actually sits and listens to people he respects. If he thinks you have something to tell him, Uh, he's humble, and he's docile, and he's willing to listen. And so the fact that he doesn't have a deeply committed political ideology, I think, means that's an opportunity. And those of us that are concerned about these things ought to do everything we can to help him because we have good arguments, we have good ideas, there's a, a, a positive prospect that he might actually adopt them. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, it's funny you say that because my, my three to four interactions with him over the last probably three or four years, that has been my same. And maybe that is why I didn't have, I was not a Trump supporter in the beginning. I never really was, but I didn't have, I felt writing in no offense, Chris, a third party was silly because it doesn't accomplish anything. That's just my view. (laughs) Everyone has the right. I just think it's, it's sort of one of those things you do to make yourself feel better. Um, and Chris and I have had this debate. (laughs) It doesn't really do anything for your country. No offense, Chris,
2: actually, I mean, offense take, but yeah, well, so for me, takes it,
1: every it's oppor- whatever. But
0: Do- Dr. Richards, he takes every opportunity <laughs> to point this out. Every
2: one.
1: silly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you feel good that you wrote Ted Cruz in. But look, for me... The fact the fact of the matter is when you look at all of this so and I think the other piece you you kind of mentioned Trump being sort of this you know the, this open slate where where the future could still sort of be written on it but there are some people there's a lot of debate over Bannon and, and other people who might mm-hmm. make their way into the campaign I personally think I don't have the evidence to back up what the media is saying about Bannon outside of a divorce you know a divorce document right. and so to me that's sort of we just don't know the ins and the outs of that but what do you see happening right. in terms of the forces maybe pulling on Trump, and are there concerns there? Just take us through that a little.
5: Yes, absolutely. This is the main thing I was worried about, and then I would tell my wife behind the scenes. I said, "Look, the one thing I'm worried about Donald Trump as president is if he could do something Hillary couldn't do. He could lead uh, or be a part of a war within the Republican Party and among conservatives. Hillary Clinton can't split the Republican Party." Trump, if he did certain things, could do that. That was my main worry, and especially in the campaign. I knew after Pence was, was picked that Pence brought in some wonderful people, including people like Kelly and Conway and a bunch of Christians that ended up in the campaign. But there were also more of some people that I don't know what to call them, uh, but kind of secular nationalists would be that most accurate term. Everybody's using the word alt-right, but I'm not using that because people don't seem to know what it means. Um, <laughs> but my sense is that, look, if you get a bunch of America first uh, secular nationalists and a bunch of conservative Christians in a the campaign, there is a potential for a catastrophe there. Stephen Bannon is one of the people that a lot of people worried about. It's funny, um, uh, since he was named as, as White House Counsel and Chief Strategist here just this week, we've done a bunch of investigating about Stephen Bannon, interviewed people that know him personally and have worked with him. And frankly, my fears are a are lead. Once you look at the details of what he actually thinks, what he's said over the years, he's staunchly pro-life, he's staunchly pro-Israel. These attacks that he's racist and anti-Semitic, I just think, are completely baseless. And uh, frankly, what I, I, I'm thinking is going to happen and what we're already seeing happen is that almost every conservative or non-establishment character that, uh, that uh, Donald Trump decides to speak with or appoints. Is gonna probably get attacked as a racist. I think there's almost the media almost has a template now. It's like control alt racist, and the whole the whole text gets written. Yeah. And the more they do that, uh, th- the less effective it is. And also it's disastrous because it means if racist. Real racists show up. Real anti-Semites show up. They're going to have shot their wads. They're not gonna have any arguments against these people.
1: It's actually dangerous though too. I mean, you have. You have a situation in which, I mean, there are going to be puddles everywhere because there are snowflakes melting everywhere. I mean, these people <laughs> cannot – and I would say this on either <laughs> side because – no, I mean, look, I'd be saying this if conservatives were doing this with Hillary because I, yes. to me, I'm all about facts. And the facts are somebody won a legitimate election, and these people are melting down in the streets holding signs about Bannon, about Trump that – look, Trump oh. said a lot of awful stuff, but – To me, I just, I don't, I can't reconcile why this is the reaction that continues to to happen with a legitimate election. I don't get it.
5: I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of the last cards they have to play. They, I I think everyone assumed, I think the media and the Hillary campaign, but but I repeat myself, I mean, they were essentially a a, a homogenous unit, thought, okay, let's build up Donald Trump uh, until he gets the nomination, and then tear him down because he'll never beat Hillary. It can't possibly happen. None of them, even 1% of them, believed, even in the the darkest nightmares, that Donald Trump would win. And then he won. And so now it's like they have shot every missile, they've thrown every hand grenade, and now it's like, what do they have? Well, they have a couple of rocks, and so they're just going to attack pro-Israel, pro-life people as anti-Semitic. That's where we are, but I think, what they're doing is that they're they're dramatically reducing their effect, and I think it's bad because I think we need an independent media to keep everyone on all sides accountable. And I I hate to see the the, the general credibility of the media just continue to to decline.
1: Oh yeah, so, I mean it's 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 almost, and I say this i have trained as a journalist, I work as a journalist. I when we have a podcast, I share sort of where I stand. But you know when I look at what's happening, and Chris, you've been working in media forever. You know you you look at this and you just say. Uh, this is troubling because they, what they've taken is really low approval ratings of media, and they've tanked them even further. I mean, I can't even—I can't even imagine how much more you can make people hate the media, so but they've I, done it. Let, so let me ask you, uh, Doc. But um, you work at
0: Catholic University. Has there been wailing and mm-hmm. gnashing of teeth on campus there that you that you've witnessed?
5: You know. Nothing like you would see, you know, by going to campus reform where you see on the evening news. There are a lot of students that were on both sides of this issue. President Garvey, who was a wonderful man, sent out a kind of pastoral letter just reminding people to treat each other kindly and with grace. There haven't been any public protests that I've been able to see. I've been at a couple of, of, of gatherings where I can tell students were on different sides of the issue. The uh, Catholic U is it's a more conservative school. It's, there's a lot more Orthodox Catholics there, and so you're not going to get happening there what you get happening at Paul University or uh, at Notre Dame. I do think um, as a result of that, there's probably less distress. But there's no doubt in my mind that the student body, if we had taken a poll, would have been divided on the question of Donald Trump.
0: So uh, yet the risk of being tried for name calling. These nitwits on campuses around the country, and we'll just go with campuses because there's riots going on in streets too. But how should they be? How right. should how should those protests be handled? I mean, you could speak to the private sec, the private school, and the public. Either one, whatever you think, but or maybe a general yeah. pr- general principle. But what should be going on with these? Because it seems to me, again, nitwit is the only term I can use that that I wouldn't have to bleep out because it's really embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, what are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, I mean, I find it embarrassing too. It's just, it's absolutely excruciating. At the moment, I actually think that they're doing themselves damage. I think that there are several million hesitant Donald Trump voters that supported Donald Trump and weren't very excited about it that are becoming Donald Trump supporters watching these college age kids out, you know, raising hell on the streets. It's just ridiculous. We know that these are coordinated campaigns, we know a lot of them are being are being paid. I've heard this from Washington DC police that when right. they're arrested, they often have money and instruction books in their, their backpack.
2: Of course. Uh, Unbelievable. But, hey, it's a
5: free country. You know, if people want to peaceably protest, have at it. But you know, if, if they trespass on college campuses and offices and dorms, yeah. they break property, they need to be arrested and punished and prosecuted. It's yeah. that simple. And if we tolerate that, it's going to it end up making it much worse and we'll end up with a real incident come, uh, inauguration week when, you know, we're being told there are going to be hundreds of thousands of protesters. That would be a real disaster to have a million people here for the inauguration and a bunch of violent protesters yeah. at the same time.
0: One one thing I'm taking solace, solace in it, with all of these protests, as much as I just despise them, is, and it's something that I heard, uh, I think it was Limbaugh, say either today or yesterday, sometime recently, he said, one of the things about these protests is it's going to take a lot of uh, uninformed Americans. What does he call? What does Limbaugh call the uninformed voters? Low inf- I have never low listened in- to Limbaugh in my life. Well, so low, in low, low, information, low, inform- low information voters. He's, yeah, he's saying he says this is taking th- it, it is showing a whole lot of low information voters what the left is all about, which is maybe maybe that's yes. a good thing, right? It's I want people to speak and well, show me who they yeah. are. I want you to do it orderly, but I want you to speak and let me know who you are. And I think that that's they're doing us a service in that regard.
1: Well, being on the yeah, upper think, end of, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry.
5: No, I think that's, I've been thinking that that's exactly right, because, I mean, you know, a lot of the people in Portland, we've we've learned that yeah. the, where the real violent protests are, uh, didn't even bother to vote. I mean, but if they wanted <laughs> to be effective, what they ought to be doing is writing intelligent op-eds and making intelligent arguments in defense of their policies. Instead, they're just, uh, they're creating havoc, and I think they're actually lining up people on the other side that wouldn't otherwise be so condemned. Yeah.
1: It's you know, and it's sad because as an upper end millennial, I wish I was. I wish no, no, I missed no. it by you're a couple a lo- of years. You're a I lower
0: didn't. end Gen Xer. You're a lower end Gen Xer. I will not allow you to bring our show down. Don't don't even qualify- allow it. by you. classifying yourself be. as a millennial. But
1: there is a split, and it seems like you know the younger millennials. There's a much. I feel there's a much more disconnect among them. A much deeper disconnect among them mm-hmm. than there is on the upper end. And I don't know how we fix that. But that's for another. That is for another podcast where we could talk through <laughs> some of the have, solutions. These are some of the people you teach. We need Dr. to, have, Richard. So I'd be interested to. Hear we need your to have. The, we need to have this guy back, Billy. Yeah. For Sure. If if you will come back, if you're there's some people who don't come back. So if you will come back, it would, be, okay. would be wonderful. Too horribly embarrassed.
5: Hey, I have not. Yeah, uh, I have not been offended. It would be happy to come back <laughs> anytime. <laughs> I love that's it. What, well, listen. Thank what,
1: you so much for coming on
2: today. We really
6: I'm,
1: appreciate it.
5: Right. My thank, pleasure.
0: Hey, thank you. Bye bye.
2: A church boy. Back to the church boys.
4: So probably like most people that are gonna see well, maybe not, because given the result, maybe I really am different and maybe a lot of people that I'm surrounded by think with open minds and open hearts like I do. (laughs) And I do want to say that I've been very vocal for my support for everyone besides (laughs) Donald Trump. Heavily supported Bernie, heavily supported Hillary. And I still think supported that in her lifetime she deserves to be the first female president. (laughs) And that's what makes me so sad. What qualifier was her for China? (laughs) Is that I just wish that she had that opportunity because she's fought for so long. And because... I believe her when she says that she loves this country this is all she's ever done she's given her life to make it better but like Donald Trump so ironically played after his speech it said you can't always get what you want
0: yeah he did it at the convention too and
4: happy hippies we adjust and we accept everyone who they are and so Donald Trump I accept you he's so relieved and this hurts to say, but I even accept you as a president of the don't, United States, and that's mu- fine.
0: Don't have much choice there, honey.
4: That's fine, because I think now I want to be a hopeful hippie. And I hopeful. want to... Be <laughs> that you will step into... You're so rude. I just... And President Obama, Mr. Obama, I want to say thank you for everything you've done.
0: Unless you he's still president.
4: <laughs> but please please just treat people with love and treat people with compassion and treat people with respect. And I will do the same for you. And anyway, anything you ever want to talk about or understand, maybe people that don't think the same way that you Dwerking? and the people that support you do, please, if you want to open your mind and you want to open your heart, I would love to give you a key. <laughs> Thank you so what? much. Thank you, Hillary, for inspiring all and that was the lovely,
0: the lovely Wait. and gracious, gracious and horribly thoughtful, Miley
1: <laughs> Miley Ray Cyrus. Let me. Can I, I want to say two things about yeah, this? Go right ahead. My first reaction to watching it was <laughs> I. It was literally joy, sitting in a pile, of urine. Joy, <laughs> um, but I will say I will say this about her, and I okay. think. I think she's I think she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on on all of this, and she's very upset. But but even you see how upset she is, right? And yet she does say, "I will accept you as president." And I do think there's a level of interestingly, for as insane as I thought the video was, a level of maturity and being able to say that when you're that upset. Now, okay. And, and I like that she said, I will accept you sure. as president, because I think that not is what people need to land. Right, not much right, choice. Right, 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 but I think right, but she's not encouraging people to go out and be How about idiots. This? How about this?
0: Be an adult. Don't cry over a lost election. Understand Agreed. you'll win some and you'll lose some. You lost this time. You'll probably <laughs> win next time. That's okay. I, and I'm not going to cry about it. That's life. The problem is you've put your hope and all of your faith into a person, into right. a political candidate, someone running for president, a temporal leader. As Andy Stanley wrote, uh, has, re- has spoke about, and it became a very viral little <laughs> thing on, on wherever. He, he talked about, listen, the, only re- the, whole, the whole point is Jesus. Everything is the, is the gospel. That's the most important thing. Pilate was the most important person in the realm then, the most powerful political person in the realm. The only reason you know anything about Pilate is because he had a face he's part of Jesus story and he's a footnote in Jesus story. So the problem is you keep putting your faith and your hope in these temporal leaders. Stop doing it. Just
1: stop it. Look, but but, but let me me, me go back to other celebrities.
0: Let me go back to being immature now. Okay. But going back to compared to other celebrities, okay, what she was a a weepy mess. Slightly, she wasn't she wasn't screaming. In, she wasn't screaming and swearing. Is that I mean, what? So, so wait wait. I'm so, we, give her so we should we re- should we re- reward her and give her credit for doing no, what she no, no, ought no, no, no. to do?
1: Okay, calm yourself down.
5: Okay,
0: fine. I
1: what I, I am going to give her credit. For accepting him almost immediately, and I know you're saying, of course, she doesn't have a choice. a choice. But I think she has a lot of people watching her, and yes, she's nutty in the video, and she looks ridiculous. Why are we giving? She, but why are we? Why would we give her praise for doing what a normal human being does? Because unfortunately, as you know, normal, the new normal, is not but at the, all what but the, old but the normal fact, used to be. But the fact is so, of, of Hillary's
0: so, wait of Hillary's of Hillary Clinton's 32 million supporters, less than a million less than half a million i would say less i'm 50,000 are like this so this is this is horribly abnormal what she's doing is abnormal i
1: don't know i got to be honest with you i think there's a lot more uh, maybe, people like maybe, this maybe maybe there's maybe there's a couple
0: million but i'm telling you not not i'm not half a lot, of her, i'm seeing six, people in circles
1: mil- that i frequent in new york I who are know. like that right now I understand. even still uh, maybe. so i'm, I'm I telling guess, you i, guess I mean guess there's probably I, a lot of them but
0: 60 62 million people
1: Right? Well, Isn't it's inappropriate. To, There's no reason to be that way, but right
0: so but the, but the thing so I go back to now the the morning of the election and the day before the elections, 24 hours, even less than 24 hours, but let's say 24 hours before we found out that Donald Trump was going to be president of the United States, which still just astounds me to say. <laughs> 24 hours before then, people like Miley Cyrus, people like Rachel Maddow, people like the the screaming cow that we played also. We're telling us, we're telling people on the right, right? Accept whoever's going to win. That was, the whole, that was the, whole, the whole rigmarole against Donald Trump, by, especially by people on the left. He's not going to accept the results of the election. He's not going to say, you know, we have to come together. We have to have unity. And then as soon as their guy loses, their, their woman loses, well, this is obviously just America is, is full of haters and monsters. Well, you're just a dope. You're telling me, you, 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 all you have done is revealed to the world what an idiot you are how clueless you are about how life actually operates.
1: I don't disagree with you about anything you've said about, about Miley. I, and I think the video is ridiculous and I think she sounds insane. Look, nobody's going to Miley Cyrus for advice on how to relate to other people. And I, and I, but I would argue again, I think there's a mild, like on a scale from zero to 10, I would say it's like a one. Okay, for for maturity, but there's a little maturity there for yeah, her, oh, and what we've seen from her. Yes, our no, baseline rel- is her. Okay, relative relative and, to and, what I
0: expected from her. You're yeah, absolutely correct.
1: Yes, so that is, and, and look, look. I could only hope that some of the fools following her who are obsessed with her saw that. And obviously the rest of it, the weeping. I mean, Hillary doesn't deserve to be the first female president just because she's a female. You deserve to be president when you're qualified. And there are plenty of people, whether they are black, white, female, male, who are qualified and would deserve to be to be president. I think more qualified and, and more deserving than Hillary probably. But the fact that the fact remains these people are unhinged yeah. about this because they were convinced and so was Hillary that she was going to win this because the media yeah. misled us and can i just say this crazy donald trump saying everything's rigged against him the polls the media everything we're all laughing at him oh yeah 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 i mean is, is there a case to be made that something was wrong with all of this in to some level now that i'm not saying that the polls were rigged because i think we have to be very careful when we go that route i don't believe that but something was clearly off. What? So what do you think was off? What? What do here's you think what I think off? was off. I have I have theories. You want my theories? I'm
0: crazy. I have a few do, theories. We, do we need Do we need to call Alex Jones and get him on the line? We can. No,
1: help. no, they're not that he crazy. Can help, he can help refine your theories. On one level, you had an election where one person did one that Hillary collapses. People are going to Trump. Trump, the tape comes out on Trump. People are going to Hillary. And people were so uncertain because both candidates were so horrible that they were so willing to ebb and flow and move. These polls have obviously a margin of error, and it could be three, four percentage points. That's a big deal in an election, especially one that's that fluid. Okay, usually it's not so fluid. People are generally a little more. I think rooted in who they're going to select. In this case, I think you had a lot of people who were afraid to publicly say they were gonna support Trump. They declined to do it. I don't know if they lied to pollsters, but they they at least didn't vocally speak of it. And so I feel like, especially in places like New York, and I do know a lot of people around me who did vote for Trump, actually, interestingly, and passionately so in New York. I, I think there was that level of this, too. That And Trump had been saying this. People are going to come out in force for me. They're going to come out and support me. They're too afraid to say it. I do think there was some level of that. I don't yeah. know how much sway that held, but I can think of a lot of people at the last minute who did suddenly open their mouths and say, this is who I'm going to choose.
0: Okay, so let me, let me ask you this. What would you think if I told you that I think that the polls were right? Um, because I do well I do think so
1: here's and the th- thing and
0: here's why let me explain why and see if you see if you agree with this all along we knew that that we knew that the national polling would come closer and closer and closer together I mean it's it always happens in elections so it doesn't matter who's ahead and who's behind as you get closer to election day on president for the presidential election it gets closer and closer right because I mean the the thing that the Limbaugh was always reminding people of was that just days before the election in 1980 Uh, Ronald Reagan was nine points behind, you know, Jimmy Carter. Okay. We know that the polling gets tighter and tighter and tighter as you get closer, it's closer to election day. And it was getting to within one or two points. She had a one or two point lead nationally. Guess what? She won by about a point to maybe a point and a half. Once all votes are counted about a point to a point and a half, she will have won the national vote by about that. The polls were actually correct. The national polls. The at problem, the end, right. right. At but the as, end, when they got closer, but she still she won the national vote by national vote by a point to between one and two points. The polls had her winning, except for the uh, except for IBD and LA Times had Trump winning the national vote. Those two are actually wrong. They had him winning, but they had him winning the national vote. They didn't have him winning the electoral college. All the other national polls had her winning the national vote by between one and three points, and she's going to win it between one and two points. So the national <laughs> polls were actually correct. The issue well, came I would from say at the, the state, end they the were. State by state I would polls. say at the
1: end they were. I would agree with you on that. What I'm, I, think what they were leading, is. I think
0: they were accurate leading up to it. I think if the vote had been taken I those don't, days, I don't. Then she would have I had don't. the national vote by two or three or four points.
1: No, well, I mean, there was a point where he was 12 points but in some polls. I mean, I here's why. About I, that I, agree, the, I actually the, agree with your assessment. The, the, the <laughs> but here's what I would say. Because this was so unprecedented that these are the two most unpopular candidates in history essentially. And because sixty percent of the public consistently wanted another choice, right? Mm-hmm. I I believe the polls were accurate. I don't think they were rigged. I think they were conducted properly. I think they were scientifically conducted. I think so. Yes, in that respect, they were accurate. But I don't think they were accurately capturing what was really going to happen until people were forced to make a decision and that and but, that reality was upon them. But, because, but, but but where were they inaccurate? We, but I guess
0: what was inaccurate well, about? I'm
1: them? not. I think what's inaccurate about it is that it's it, it was not capturing the real essence of what people would have done that day except for the
0: fact that they were, they were accurate their numbers were actually right
1: she won by end, she yes, won by a point what I, points. here's what i'm saying here's what i'm saying the yes, analysis, of the, polls,
0: the analysis of the
1: polls was wrong well no i I'm not saying – when I'm saying the polls are wrong, I actually don't think the American people knew what they were going to do weeks before. I think many people – I mean, look at you. And this was yeah. – these are not anomalies. You had sweeping arrays of people, groups of people saying, I'm either not voting and I've always voted, yeah. or I'm voting third party and I've always but those, voted for but, but one But you would agree that the,
0: the national polls in the day the, – the, like the two, three days leading up to the election were accurate? Totally. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. That's, and that's what A, I'm saying. I, the other polls, like, you can't trust that polling out there because – because there's so much unknown like and I, and I would agree with you on that. I don't think that the polls can capture the reality of what the vote I, I think you're right on that. I do think you're right on but that. But specifically in
1: this election because oh, it was yeah. so people ugly just didn't know what they were going to do. We're actually agreeing with each other. Yeah. I'm just on the other end of it. Totally but, accurate towards the end. Right. I think yeah, the last absolutely. Last days before the the election the the polls were right. And I don't think that they were and I so I don't agree that they were rigged. Like I don't his either. his definition of I rigged would just, be I think they just. I
0: just don't think they had a way of measuring two, three, four weeks out. They didn't have a way of actually accurately measuring the people. They went with the way they have always done it, which is the only way they only know how to do it, and I don't blame them for that. But they had no way of actually measuring the the thoughts and hearts of the American people because the people didn't. The people were upset with both of the. The the, what was the constant theme we heard? Nobody liked either choice. Nobody on the right, nobody on the left was happy and satisfied with the. I shouldn't say nobody people were not satisfied with their choices so of course the polling is going to be inaccurate an, an weeks and weeks out because nobody knows what they're going to do nobody's happy with their choices i
1: don't i don't know what i'm going to do and I'm they didn't have to either until either the way. end they didn't need right. to make that decision until the end usually i knew okay in 2012 for 3 months before the election i knew without a doubt who I was going to vote for, okay, right, without right, a question. Right. This time, that was not the case. And in fact, I you almost knew did not vote.
0: You knew who you weren't going to vote for.
1: I, I knew who I knew, wasn't going oh, I to say, vote for, yes. I shouldn't
0: say you. I knew who I wasn't going to vote for, no matter I what. I knew who I wasn't going to vote for, right. for sure, yes. And, was, I, I, and I was I willing
1: to be convinced on the other guy. So— you know, I think that accurate, accurate and rigged are two different, you know, inaccurate and rigged are two different things. Right. And so Trump was playing on that. I do think the media were they were totally rigged, oh, collectively rigged, sure. absolutely rigged, 100 percent And I'm sorry. I and mean, we've we talked about, you know, our good friend over at CNN not to be named here. Um and and numerous others suddenly they're doing this this soul searching and we have to rise to the occasion where the hell have you been for four decades so when everyone second. has hated I,
0: you who's this person we're not going to mention at CNN can you give me a hint
1: I'm he's bald Van you really don't know reliable unreliable sources um oh 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 balding balding well
5: George
0: Costanza George Costanza um, would say
1: balding. <laughs> Look, I'm sure he's a very nice man and but but the examples of bias that we saw yeah. yeah, Trump's an idiot and said idiotic things at moments, but yeah. but the examples of bias were so horrendous, election night especially. I, I was yep. watching CBS News and could not believe what I was hearing. And Gail King looked like she literally soiled herself <laughs> she while she have. was t- she may have. She may have. And I don't know how I she just, would
0: ever know. Because she's a mess <laughs> all the
1: time. I just so i mean i've never so what they have the media have done now and i think they're going to dig their heels in and make it worse they have actually made themselves more hated when i thought that was not possible there i mean barely anybody who is conscious likes the media or thinks that they are appropriately covering anything and yeah. now yeah. they're going to suddenly get really hard oh yeah we're going to really be they're, tough they're on not, trump
0: but they're going to it's going to become more and more niche right so like the Faithwire thing that's going to become more and more popular because people are going to go i want to go to this niche and as we've yeah. seen, as we've seen all along as the internet has grown, that's going to continue to happen with the national media because people are just going, You guys screwed us. You guys are jerks. So, and they did. And they, they, they did. did. Trump brought
1: 50% of it on himself, but they created 50% of it. And I think that is the I mean, look, you can't I've never seen two more incompetent people running for president in my life. So and, and I just I, <laughs> well, I haven't. So embarrassing. you have to be embarrassing so let me ask you this you were watching cbs
0: for the election turn re- return coverage
1: unfortunately why
0: yes. why were you watching cbs i know the answer to this but i I'm was trying to transition us yes, into was, the next
1: area of discussion i was in that. rochester new york where my dad was having surgery from this accident that he had and they had gotten rid of cable my parents and so i was stuck with nbc and cbs so
0: wait but you, you're so you weren't at the hospital with your dad watching returns you were at your folks's home Yes, I was at their house at by that point. Do you yeah. suppose she's home when we could give her a call, Mrs. Laura Hollowell? Any chance she'd uh, No. Any, any chance I, there's no chance. Any chance she'd pick up? Oh no. Okay. Maybe she she's no. she's probably sleeping now. It's probably for uh, the look,
1: best. Look look, I don't <laughs> want to talk to her. I spent enough time. I love my mom, but I spent enough time up there. So but look the,
0: Is your dad doing okay?
1: He is, yeah. He had this, yeah. It was an awful, gross, terrible. Did he fall? Like, he fell, but it was not. Don't that you, don't tell because, more than you
0: want are comfortable telling, but.
1: No, no. I mean, I'll t- basically, his foot. And he's a super athletic. I mean, he's like a runner. He lifts weights every day. He's you know crazy. So say his. So good. He's opposite of me. His foot snapped forward. His like, foot snapped while forward he was, while and, he was running. No, he was doing yard. He was doing yard work, and like it was just like a weird situation where like he was walking up to a cement step, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but but you know, like your picture, your foot going all the way up and snapping back towards your leg. Oh, like so so all the tendons and ligaments. So his toes came
0: up and touched his shin, kind of deal. Basically,
1: yes. yes. Wow. So everything that attached the ankle to the leg detached, basically. Oh my goodness. I mean it was it was and it's it, they were like everybody who mm. saw him was like this is a really bad injury I mean, he won't be walking for months so oh, no. you know it, but they had to call 911 because there was no way to actually get up because there was nothing you couldn't I mean well, the attached Laura, L- Laura
0: has weak arms so she she wasn't going to be able to lift him
1: she was at work so it was it was a mess so he's doing much better okay. um now I, much, much better. Uh, now I have a question much
0: better no I have a question have a question did Satan trip him is that what happened
1: uh, no, Chris, you weren't in town at the time. So, um, it's, it's
0: but I will—I will, I will a tell little you, inside
1: humor there. <laughs> I will tell you that he—he uh, he had to have this the surgery, Ugh. and it was like pretty serious. They had to put like a Ugh. plate in, and, and you know, hardware and wiring. And so the hope is that everything just sort of grows back together and comes back together. And and uh, it's gross, but it was a bad injury. Okay. So I went up to help with that, but. But my, you know, and look, my mm-hmm. my father was very happy on election night. Oh, let me tell who you, was he? Um, and he was not a, and again, you have an example of somebody who didn't was I'm not voting for either candidate. I don't like either candidate. They're awful. Who I think was just so overjoyed to watch Hillary lose. Yeah. So you you have people who were in that boat who just it was every it was like their Christmas wish come true, a month and a half early.
0: Yes, that's that's the funny thing is that it, when it comes and I'm, I. I'd be interested to talk to you more about how maybe members of your family reacted to the election. Maybe we can get into that a little <laughs> bit later. But I found it interesting that I had almost nobody near me, friends, neighbors, relatives, who were celebrating his win. They were celebrating her loss. Yeah. And, like, dancing no. and being on
1: her grave kind of deal. I mean, it was really a. <laughs> yeah. ast- well, in New York, it's the opposite. I mean, I yeah. had more people around me who were in mourning, yeah, which is weird. Is weird. You know, it was a weird thing to, uh, because I, I mean, this is not a Vita Perone. She thought she thinks she's a Vita Perone, but it's not. It, it. This is Hillary Clinton, and so you <laughs> have a situation where there's a very oh un. I just don't oh understand. <laughs> I can't get past the abortion comments in the third debate, yeah. and I will never I get past them. That is the face I of agree. Hillary Clinton. When I hear the term late-term abortion, I picture those giant white buttons that were blinding me that she was wearing on her <laughs> pantsuit during that debate. That is what I see But did now. you
0: hear Nick Cannon today? Or was it today, no. yesterday? He was being interviewed with, um,
1: on oh,
0: like the Breakfast Club up in New York City, and uh, they were asking him about the election, and he they say he didn't vote, but he couldn't support Hillary, and he... And he talked about how a, abortion wasn't uh, uh, like a, uh, what do he say? No, i am not got to look it up because it's on the blaze.
1: Did the blaze cover this?
0: Yeah. Uh, Canon Nick Cannon. Abortion is a real genocide on the black community.
1: Isn't that weird? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are starting to feel this way though I and I think so those co- I actually have to be honest I think she would have had a bigger popular vote I could be wrong but I think that turned people off there were people I so partic- and I don't maybe not because where you are more people think that way already they oppose abortion to that to that level and that degree right. but here people maybe haven't thought so deeply about it in yeah. New York and I encountered people who were disgusted by those comments well, and who it, might have voted for her Well I think that. it
0: was maybe but I think it more was more likely to activate the Trump the potential Trump voters. I was way after that little back and forth where people got on his case for doing something that was so untactful. I I was like, I'm actually way more likely to vote for him. Now the fact that he was willing to bring that up and discuss it and hit her with it right there, right there at the beginning of the debate. I thought that was, and how she was, it was so telling the horrible things that she said about, excuse me, about abortion. I was
2: like, I actually actually more
0: likely to vote for him.
1: I think he activated some people with that. I actually also think there is some genuine belief there from him. I, a lot of things yeah, is yeah, not genuine yeah, belief. Yeah. I I sense that there is on that issue it, that he had a change of heart he may yeah. not have and I could be wrong. He talks
0: about that a lot though about the the, the experience he the, the wonderful person that was going to be aborted but then wasn't. He the, the family he knew that was going to have the abortion but then didn't have the abortion and he knows the person now and the person is, it was back in like in the late 90s so the person's got
1: to be what 20 now or 18 20 now. It's interesting, yeah, it makes you wonder, it just makes you wonder, but but I think that exchange was everything that a lot of people needed to see to and, and look, if you're if you are, and this is the problem with this, because if you're a Christian, and I'm not saying that you needed to vote for Trump at all, but what I'm saying is you at least recognize that you have a better shot under him than you would have under her. Now, that doesn't mean that's necessarily true though. he could be a disaster, and he may not be good on religious freedom. But I think if you're putting a shot in the dark and you're choosing one of one or the other, and you have to, there's yeah. a gun to your head, yeah. and you at least have to admit that, yeah. not vote for them. I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, you would say, well, yeah, I guess there's probably a better shot under Trump.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I uh, yeah, um, just sorry, I was loading something, caught my eye. Uh, so, what do you think about? You know what? Let's we have another interview to play, right? But I, I do yeah. want I do want your take on your thoughts on religious freedom under under a Trump administration and where things are going to go. I think it's an important thing to talk about. Why don't we Why don't we break? We'll come back, uh, and let's talk about where religious freedom is going to go. And then I want to play this interview because the believers out there are going to love
1: it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You okay? I sounded so unenthusiastic. Yeah, you did. Yes, it's Like no, good. my coffee. My coffee. Like I need to take one more sip. Hold on. Okay, I got the last drop got a little bit left
0: in here all right so let's take a break we'll come right back well not that button
2: Please not that
0: not that i rearranged all the buttons on my soundboard and so now i'm you're, just hitting you're random. Things. Just, a, just a moment the church boys
2: the church boys man i eat these guys
0: All right. So I I know I promised that we were going to come back and talk to Billy about his views about how he thinks um, religious freedom stuff is going to go under Trump and the new Trump administration. But instead, we're going to we're going to shift gears real quick. Billy has an interview. He wants to as he as he coughs. Thank you for hitting your cough button. I appreciate that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Billy has a has an interview that he conducted just recently uh, that we're going to run. So, Billy,
1: tell people about this, and then we'll play that, and then we'll come back and talk religious freedom. So, we had Judah Smith, who is the lead pastor at the City Church out in Seattle. He came into the Faithwire newsroom, and, and I sat down with him, and another co-worker of mine, uh, Stephanie, who's also a writer on the site, sat down with him, and we talked about—sorry <clears throat> about that. I, all this talk of Trump has just made me coffee— um, but he talked about his new book, "How's Your Soul?" That's the mm. name of it. "How's Your Soul?" And we talked about his friendship with Justin Bieber. Uh, he had met Justin Bieber when he was super young, and they've—I mean, they then they reconnected later on when Bieber was a teenager, and they've remained. I mean, they talk every day. They're very, very good really? friends. And this guy has, I think, guided him. And I mean, we've seen a different side of Justin Bieber of late, although. There are still the issues and the celebrity that pop up. I think we've seen a little bit of of that. And so we talked through that friendship and and got candid about some of the critiques that a pastor might face when they have a famous friend who is doing things that might not be, you know, seen as the most Christian things to be doing. Uh, So we we had a great conversation. It was a good 20 minute talk about all of this and about Black Lives Matter and and his views on that. And so why why don't you just roll it? All right. Well, Judah, thank you for thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. So you're on like the New York, you know, crazy like press
6: tour right now. Yeah, yeah. The the days are full, but they're fun, and I get to meet a lot of great people.
1: So, I guess let's just dive right in. Why did you write "How's Your Soul"?
6: Um, I think it all kind of comes from my own experience and and journey, Um, particularly my uh, my challenges. The project probably started seven years ago. Um, my dad had just passed from multiple myeloma and I was about three months into leading the community that the board asked if I would step up and be the lead pastor of several thousand people in the church. And, uh, it was overwhelming to say the least about three months in, I looked at our board and they said, are you okay? Kind of like, how's your soul? And I pretty much broke down and said, "I, I don't think I'm okay. Um, probably hadn't properly grieved, looked at my beautiful wife and was like, I need, I need, I need a timeout. And so we took drastic measures. We took at least a month just to be together and pray and think and process. And so I look at that moment and maybe not everybody listening can take a month off or so, but uh, we took drastic measures to ensure that we were healthy on the inside. So fast forward and, and here we are. Um, and I can, I can honestly say that stewarding my soul is a daily process. This is no question the scariest project I've ever written. Because I actually think your soul can vary day to day, almost, particularly at the rate in which we're all living and in the information we're receiving. It's funny you say
1: that because I was saying to Stephanie before, I was like, "If if you ask me how my soul was today, I had a rough commute. I was super annoyed. <laughs> I was like, I hate New York today. You know, and and I got in here and I was kind of like a little fret, like, uh, you know. And it, it's true. Like every day is a different. Day with different challenges, and you kind of have to check yourself and and say, okay. So, when you say, How is your soul, though? And I think you're kind of getting at that. Like, what exactly are you getting at? Because you could say to somebody, How are you doing? And it's like, I would, if you had asked me how I'm doing, I probably would have been like, Eh, I'm okay. But I really was annoyed and I wasn't okay. So
6: like, what what are you getting at when you say that? Yeah, I'm passionate about true connection and true community and relationship. And I don't think that just constitutes a building or a gathering on a Sunday. I think it actually has to do with true intimate connection with people. And of course, that's only possible if we're vulnerable and if we're honest. And so, like many people, but in my role being a pastor, it's kind of like my job. It's a calling to make sure that people are good and connect with them and add value and encourage and build up. And so... Like yourself, I would ask, like, hey, how are you? Are you good? How was your week? How's your day? And the response was kind of the pat prepared answer, the cultural acceptable response. Cool, great, awesome, okay, not so great. But there was no like further expansion on that. So I started, okay, this is white noise, it's elevator music, what am I gonna do now? And I started asking the question, how's your soul? And the response was surprising, shocking, disarming, and also challenging. Like, whoa, I don't think I wanted to know all that. And then it was like, maybe I should know all that. And these are like my close friends. And the fact that I don't know that or don't want to know that – might be a bigger problem. So, this comes from a real, genuine place. It's not like a, a thought I had and put pen to paper and thought this might help someone. It's literally a journey that I've been on with some of my closest friends. Well, it's like when you ask somebody how you're doing, you're never
1: expecting them to say not okay, right? Like, you're right. like oh, now we have to have this awkward conversation. Exactly. But if you intentionally think like I want to know how you're really doing, like how's your soul that.
6: It is interesting, and we should and we should want to know that. We should want to know. I mean, if we're in genuine relationship, and you can't know everybody, right. but you got to know somebody, and somebody's got to know you. And are we willing to go there and, frankly, stay in the conversation by which we can actually know each other and serve each other and help each other grow? I like that.
3: I like that, too. <laughs> and I have one quick question based mm-hmm. on the quick story I did about your new book and also a discussion we had about racial issues and mm. tensions in America. Now that we just had this election, what are your thoughts? How can people process it? And how does the race topic play into it?
6: Yeah, um, I seem, I feel like completely underqualified to make comments. I need to say that first and foremost. But um, I do wonder if we could elevate the conversation. I think We've spent so much time on policies, so much time on politics and all that entails. And I think that that has its place. Policies certainly affect even uh, the freedom of conversation we're having Mm -hmm. right now. But I think there's something more valuable and infinitely more important than policy and that's people. And the reality is whatever your policies are and however you feel about the outcome of the election, there is pain amongst people in our country, and we are fundamentally divided. I mean, categorically, like statistically, yeah, like literally. It's, insane. it's I mean, insane. I've never seen
1: like it before. I mean, it's crazy. And, and people are in pain, and
6: they're and and the, and the pain is real, and I've talked to some people who kind of want to statistically explain that it, it, it shouldn't be that real, or that it shouldn't be that authentic, or, hey, just don't feel that, like it's not real. But, but, but people's perception is their reality. And, and whether, whether you question that perception or not is not the point. The point is, particularly for those of us that worship God and follow Jesus, the pain is real. Are we going to move towards the pain? Are we going to acknowledge the pain? Are we going to listen to the pain if you are not one who feels yeah. it? I believe in empathy and compassion first. I believe in all you're getting, get understanding. And I wonder if are known Christians are known for listening very well. And if we do listen, I think it's often, if I could speak about myself, I listen to reply, particularly as a pastor, but do I listen to understand? And I look at the life of Jesus, and he was extraordinary when it came to his social experience. He moved towards the pain, whether it was the pain of women in his day, or the pain of the Samaritans in his day. And I must say, it made his 12 young disciples uncomfortable. And I wonder if we are going to be in the long line of followers of Jesus Should we at times feel uncomfortable and feel unsettled by some of the preconceived notions from our backgrounds and cultural experiences? And so I think we got a moment on our hand as a country and more specifically as Christians, and if I could be so bold, um, as Caucasian Christians. I would like to challenge that in our nation, we've had an upper hand for 240 years in this country. Will we take responsibility to recognize that we have an opportunity to be a part of the solution and not perpetuate the problem? Do you have a That's, follow-up to that?
3: I do. That was such an incredible answer, especially because you see tons of people out there that are protesting either because they're part of Black Lives Matters movement or because they're protesting Trump being out there. And... What you just said when it comes to Caucasian Americans speaking out and using this time to do that, how should they do that? How do they do that in a way that communicates to everyone else in this country that we are all in this together and that we should have a united front?
6: I think when it comes to the theology of justice from Scripture, when I go to the Bible, you have to understand that um, to achieve justice and to experience justice actually literally Tangibly, physically, in a, in a country or, or a social experience, there has to be a momentary, how should I say, inequality or injustice, meaning there has to be an exceptional focus to those who have received injustice. And I think that's where sometimes as Caucasian Americans, we find uncomfortability because there has to be a focus. We have to recognize for a moment, for instance, that the African-American journey in our country has been absolutely unique. There was, there was systematic enslavement of an entire people group in our country, and that is unique amongst all ethnicities and the beautiful diversity of our country. So are we willing to kind of lean into that, look to that, and for a moment say there needs to be a unique focus and a unique approach To what is a a unique pain and a horrible problem in our country. And I see that in the ministry of Jesus. His uh, intentionality with the Samaritans, he specifically would focus. In fact, he spent three days in Samaria and Jews wouldn't be caught dead traveling through Samaria. And Jesus spent three days there. You can go through your reading of the New Testament and you're hard pressed to find Jesus spending uh, outside of kind of his uh, uh, Jerusalem to find him spending three specific Specific days with a people group. But that's Jesus going, hey guys, my 12 Jewish Jewish disciples, if you want to experience justice and the equity and equality that I'm about, there has to be this unique focus. And so I'm imploring uh, Caucasian Christians that we would consider the life of Jesus and how that impacts us right now in 2016 in America. You know, one of the things that I find so shocking about all of this, regardless of where people
1: stand on any, like, Trump or Clinton or whatever, and on race, you know, this level among people on all sides of nastiness, and, and it's a small group of people, well, I hope it's a small group of people on all yeah, sides, we but we know it's intense, and, and it feels like we should be kind of at a place where we could have good conversations, right, and some of us are, but what do you think has created that, like, just the division that is so intense on multiple issues, on multiple fronts, and I think we're seeing it right now, you know, with the election, you um, and the results of the election, why do you think we're there in such that ne- that negative place? And what role do you think social media might
6: play in that? Well, I think a, <laughs> I think a lot, doesn't it? I mean, I think we sit here and we kind of unfortunately might know some of the answers uh, almost innately to, to, to that question. Um, I think a lot has been perpetuated by the technological age. I... I I write about this kind of in our, in our, in this book, in our project, that I don't know if we were designed for this much data and inundation of information. I mean, you could literally be at the grocery store trying to corral your kids, which I do sometimes, and I'm a nightmare at the grocery store, but like literally on my news feed at the grocery store, trying to make sure my 12-year-old, 10-year-old, 7-year-old are like sane and human, <laughs> I, I can literally hear about like, I know <laughs> the struggle. And like that kind of should be my focus, but all of a sudden on my newsfeed, here comes six natural disasters, you know, four social injustices. And now I'm literally trying to reconcile my 10-year-old who's grabbing lucky charms again. And I told him (laughs) no 12 times. And I'm trying to process that in Africa, there has been this horrible genocide all of a sudden. And, And that, I don't know if the human condition was designed for that. As a result the extreme narrative and the provocativeness of this election, I wonder if it's because it's almost what we've become accustomed to yeah and it's what we've digested. it's what it's we like reality out. TV yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the, and ironically one of them was a reality star but yeah it's bizarre. It's it what really we're feeding on yeah and we have an appetite for it and so I wonder if uh, I wonder if nice guys can even get ahead anymore sometimes and uh, obviously I have to believe that they can but it's a it's a challenging season for sure. Do you get, I mean, do you have a lot of attacks from people
1: on, so, I mean, do people come after, because I get, people say things to me, and I'm like, what in the world, like, who even thinks to say something like that, and I'm like, I didn't even say anything that was that bad,
6: you know, do you get that a lot? Well, um, I'm, okay, here's full disclosure, okay, I don't even know if I should say this on air, but I'm going to say it, I have help with Instagram, I have help with Twitter, and if people ask why you're so busy, not at all, because I do not have the self-control to not reply, and, and you offend me, cool, but you start talking about my babies, oh, or my yeah. wife, or like my mom, or just the church in general, who I love very, very much, the people who, who serve Jesus, I probably will say stuff I regret. And I don't think it's even legitimate. I think it's kind of a cheap way sometimes at 140 characters to like criticize someone like who you've never met face to face. So I don't want to kind of lower to that level. Um, and I have friends that, 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 that are probably apologists and are really good at that stuff. I'm like way too emotional. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. I don't like your hair. You know, like, yeah, yeah. your have a dumb shirt. It. It's awful. I mean,
1: yeah, death. I mean, there's just crazy it's things insane. that people say and you think to yourself, okay, I don't know what kind of person would ever, like I get being upset, but who would, anyway, I mean, there's a lot of people like that out there and it is interesting. We, there's so much good with social, but there's so much bad, and we don't really talk about the bad.
6: We don't very often. And and what it's doing to our souls. And like, do, we could probably all sit here and wonder, like, twenty years from now, like, where are we all going to be emotionally, like, mentally, in our soul, and those that haven't uh, created margin and and use self control when it comes to social media, like, are we going to be okay? And like, how are my kids going to be? You know, I'm going to have like full on twenty year old teenage kids in a few years. Am I, am I protecting them in the right way? And, um, that's stuff my wife and I are really thinking through right now.
3: Interesting. So what is the right way to protect yourself from social media or your kids or your friends from social media?
6: Gosh, I wish I'm an extremist. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to give another full disclosure when I get home, do not hate me for this. When I get (laughs) home, I, uh, we, I'm getting a flip phone and my phone will only text and call and I will no longer have, um, an iPhone. Uh, or any social media on my phone. So that's where I'm headed. Um, This is an intentional, yeah. It's intentional, I just, I have faith for it. I felt like, um, I just felt this was the right thing to do for me, and again, let it be like, I'm that extreme guy who needs to not, because if Snapchat is there, and if if TMZ.com to check up on friends and stuff that I know, like if it's there, I'll check it. And, um, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm such a weirdo, but I'm going to a flip. I don't think it's home. that weird. I, I don't
1: like <laughs> lately I've been thinking and I'm on social all the time. Right. And I'm like, I don't know anymore. Yeah. I just don't know. No. Obviously in media, you're using it to push stuff out. I mean, that's just a reality and right. you're using it to get people talking and stuff, but there is an element and we've been talking a lot we've, about you getting more on Twitter and
3: actually, so this is very funny. Okay. So I have been very hesitant about getting more active on Twitter And it's pretty much for that reason. I mean, people can tweet all sorts of things at you. They can say mean things. They can also say great things. But I've just never felt inspired to move forward. And to be honest, I'm someone who had a flip phone until about three years ago when my cousin told me he was buying me an iPhone because he was embarrassed of me (laughs) having a flip phone in public. So I totally get it. It's just so interesting to me that basically you're taking – for lack of a better term, a technology detox when you get home, so you can be with your family and engage with them. And it's just—it's interesting to me. And are you hoping this will catch on? I mean, do you want other people to do this yeah, too?
6: I, and I didn't think that through when I just said that. To be honest, I'm not trying <laughs> yeah, like, to—I'm not oh, trying to yeah, pose myself. Yeah, <laughs> for the razor yeah. Yeah. You Remember the razor? How awesome am I? I'm yeah, going exactly. to the like, razor. Like it. You know, like black—the the the BlackBerry like of 05. <laughs> I miss the razor. Oh. My kid has
1: one that she plays with. Our old razor. And yeah. I'm like. I miss that phone.
6: Oh, yeah. It's just, um, first of all, you're my hero. Like, you, you held out longer than anyone I know um, with the flip phone. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I guess I'm just asking people to ask the question. You know, and I guess it depends on different personalities. I have friends, like, my wife is so self-controlled. Like, she doesn't need any, like, extreme measures. She knows, like, she gets criticized by all of our pastors on staff and friends. Like, Chelsea's never on her phone, and she's like, and I rest my case. You know? right, so exactly. <laughs> it's uh And I guess I'm lacking t- sometimes the intentionality of the relationships I know that God's put in my life. Instead, like, have you ever done this? You go to your iPhone to make that call or connect with that person, and you get lost in the new texts that have come in, the yep. new emails, and I actually forget. It happens every day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. That's alone is an unhealthy thing. And so um, it's a step I'm taking, and I guess I'm just encouraging people. Hey, would you at least consider the intake. Yeah. Consider the inundation. Consider the information that you are being bombarded with. And I don't know. My grandma used to say, garbage in, garbage <laughs> out. It's you the know? truth. No, I mean, look, after Tuesday, after last
1: Tuesday, when I saw the reactions to it, I on Facebook, I was like, I can't even do this anymore. I can't even be on. And I had actually left Facebook for the month before because wow. I couldn't take it. I was like, I'm actually pulling away from Facebook. And I used my, use my you know, public page. I didn't use my personal – because the people I love and respect, I'm seeing them say things that I'm just like, oh, this is not – I'm crazy. losing respect for people almost. So, yeah, it's interesting what social has done. And the worst, wants, the worst
6: decision I think I made that on that Tuesday night is I kind of kept my phone in hand and I ended up fielding probably – I don't want to exaggerate – 35 to 40 different people's perspectives in real time. And that was excruciating. I think I got to bed at four in the morning and it was one of the most painful nights of my life. As a pastor, you're trying to facilitate loved ones on both sides. There's rejoicing, there's grief, there's this convergence. And I'm like trying to, that was, um, I wish I would turn my phone off. Maybe that's a bad thing to say as a pastor. No, it's not. It's
3: it's real. And I know that night I went home (laughs) and I couldn't even sleep. Wow. And I was sick the next day. I mean, the struggle with social media is so real. So especially real. when it comes to news events or things like the election. And it feels like, at least because I'm a millennial, um, I You look like that. you're
6: 19. I love that. Please keep telling me that. Okay,
3: I try okay. to say that to myself every day when, okay. try- when I get ready for work. Thank it's you. Working. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. As a millennial, I- I've noticed that myself and my friends were... Now that I have this iPhone, I'm always on it, like you said. I mean, how are we supposed to figure out a way to detach from that? I mean, and it's great you're going to get a phone to have at home where it's a flip phone. But right. how do you do that in public when your friend sitting next to you would rather be on the phone flipping through Facebook or their Twitter account instead of engaging with with me?
6: Can I Can I, like, do something, like, so... You suggest something want, that is so bizarre. But my wife and I have kind of a checkup breakfast. Um, we've never called it that, but that's what it is. It's probably once a month, maybe more. And we assess kind of how we're doing, how we're doing in connectivity, communication. And I have noticed that I've needed to do that with some of my closest friends. For instance, Carl Lins, who pastors Hills, Hillsong, New York City. We literally have sat down, thir- two 38-year-olds, grown men, and and redefined our relationship and expectations of each other, including phone calling, FaceTime, when we're together, do we text too much? Do we put our phones down? Chelsea and I have put schedules together. I mean, how ridiculous. This is so my wife because she's so amazing. But like, okay, <laughs> we're going to turn your phone off on Fridays. You're gonna When you come home at 6 p.m., you're going to turn your phone off, turn it over, put it away. So we've actually set in parameters. I mean, if you have a roommate or a friend, would you be willing to sit down? And if nothing comes to the conversation, at least you had the conversation. Right. You at least tried, tried, to. tried yeah. To, yeah. To, to. to assess, hey, are am I okay? And... If all your friends tell you that you look like with your nose and your phone at all times, like, well, we know that that's probably not the kind of life you want. Play that out 20 years from now. Are you going to have the kind of friends you want and yeah. you need in your life? So we can, make a, we can make social media too big of a deal, but I, I think sometimes we're not making it a big enough deal on how it affects the relationships closest to us. And we're also distracted. because We talk about like a walk with God and we talk about faith. You know, a
1: lot of what we're looking at is not has nothing to do with any of that, right? right. And so we're distracted by all of this other stuff yeah. that, yeah, it's just interesting. I spend way more time sometimes on my phone than I do <clears throat> reading the Bible. Or I mean, admittedly, I'll go a week sometimes and I'm like, wow, I haven't even been. I've been so inundated with stuff yeah. that I haven't even thought about wow. my faith as deeply as I should. Wow. What do you have? you have anything else?
3: Sure, I have a few more questions. <laughs> I, <got another laughs> I don't know if I have answers,
1: yeah. but I have we, responses. You've you, you become like a spokesperson for abandoning phones. This is good. Apparently. Yeah, I, like I
3: mean, I like this too because no one was on my team when I had a flip phone. They were all making fun of me. And now I'm wow. glad I have someone. Yes, that we're how in this I together. Yeah. We're proud
1: podcasting. We all made fun of radio. We were done with radio, and now podcasts
6: <laughs> are, are huge, right? I so
3: mean, the will come back.
6: That's it. right, you never know.
3: So I do have a couple of questions about. Your story with Justin Bieber, I mean, mm. that's something that you've talked about and I love the story. So I was hoping that you could rehash it for us and yeah. maybe add a new twist.
6: Yeah, sure, sure. Make up
3: some details. Uh, <laughs> like, you do.
6: Wow, wow. <laughs> Justin and I talked about this before the press week. I was like, okay, so you know, like pretty much every interview I do, you come up. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, but I trust you and you say great stuff. And But to be honest, there's only great stuff to say. Um, Justin uh, is extraordinary. He's he's uh, grown so much as we all need to, and uh, you know we met backstory super quick. He um, he was eight uh, or nine, I think, as the story goes. And uh, his mom Patty was in Toronto. I was doing a convention up there called Fresh Wind, and uh, I was speaking. Patty loved what I had to say. I think actually got a cassette tape of my speaking cassette. <laughs> okay, millennials, calm down. Those are, those are <laughs> not are coming back. Yeah, those, those are, are not, not coming, coming back. back. And he would play it at night and fall asleep to it. I guess I, my preaching put him to sleep, which is not exactly the most <laughs> encouraging thing. But when we first kind of officially met, because we, we had met when he was young in Toronto, but I didn't recall that. Um, we were. He was in Everett, and I think he was 13 or 14, something like that. And he said, do you remember meeting me? Because I remember meeting you. And uh, I was like, I'm sorry, I don't. And he's like, no, oh, it's okay. So we just kind of walked into his dressing room. I mean, here it's like I'm 20, whatever, 6, 7. And he's this, you know, barely teenager. And he's like, do you like video games? And I'm like, uh, not, not really. Sorry. And he's like, what do you like? Do you like hockey? And I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, well, and I'm like, I like basketball. He's like, are you good at basketball? And I was like, you'll never beat me at basketball. I just want you to know that. And to this day, he says, when we started talking basketball, he was like, all right, I think I like this guy. I think he's normal. And um, I'm trying to think if he's ever beat me at basketball you know, Justin, if you're listening, I don't think you have. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm undefeated now that I think about it. Um, but honestly, we talk nearly every day and I'm uh, so proud of the young man that he is. And I've said this before, but I really mean, it. I think I've learned more from him about life and living than he's ever learned from me. I think he's lived the life of about 20 people, his experience, his exposure, uh, the different people he's connected with and met over the years. And, um, he really is. He's a philosopher of sorts. People don't realize the depth within him is extraordinary. And I think this purpose tour, you're getting a glimpse of that as he's trying to kind of take a moment. It's not always been productive. There's been a lot of screaming in the midst. But these like purpose moments where he's trying to articulate um, the significance of every person, that God has a plan for your life and a purpose. And that's pretty admirable in the indus- admirable in the industry that he's in to kind of yeah. take a moment and make it more <clears throat> than a show. And that's indicative of kind of uh, where his heart is and the desires that he has for people. Can I ask you a question? And I'm not. This is not because I don't ask gotcha questions. So yeah. it's going to sound like
1: as I'm saying it. <laughs> and I think I actually asked you this last time we talked okay. about it last year. But is it difficult because you get put in this awkward position? I would imagine. I can't speak for you. Where you have a very famous friend who ha- goes through struggles, and unfortunately, when somebody young goes through struggles and they're famous, it's on an it's on an international stage. Everybody's watching it. And then people are like, oh, well, he's not a Christian. You get all these sort of unfair mm-hmm. critiques. Whereas if all of our trash was out there, you know. Anyway, is it ever, do you ever get critiques and how do you deal with that of, oh, well, you know, this reflects you because he's doing this and you're friends with him? Like, how do you process that and like take me through that? So I want, I'm,
6: I'm asking you. No, it it's a great question. That, okay. It's a yeah. great question. And it's very meaningful to me because, um, and I hope I don't sound too incredibly spiritual because that's definitely not who I am. My wife, on the other hand, is very <laughs> spiritual. Um, I think you have to reconcile it with God. And I think if I could talk to spiritual leaders and pastors and preachers, uh, uh, we, we don't get to claim the people in our community. They don't belong to us. They belong to God. And, um, so Justin, I always tell him, you know, you're my friend and he'll say at times, well, you know, you're my pastor. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, you don't really like that title, do you? And I was like, well, because I I don't claim you like you're, you're gods and we're, we're shoulder to shoulder in that regard. And, um, though I get to be a voice in your life, I feel like at the same time, Justin, you're a voice in my life. And so I think that we love each other and we're committed to each other. But, um, as a leader, if I could just challenge leaders and pastors, like I said, to say, I don't think whoever's in your church, that's my guy, you know, that that's my, you know, they, they go to our church. Well, well, cool. But they have freedom to go wherever they like to worship. And right. I think it's an honor and a privilege that they trust you for any duration of time to be in your world and community. And so for me, when I stand on a Sunday or a Wednesday in Seattle or LA, I look at this community and go, I can't believe you're giving me, giving me headspace. I mean, you may not, you may be on your ESPN app. I don't know. But uh, you're giving me headspace for like an hour in your life. Like what a gift and something to be treasured and stewarded with extraordinary humility. So if you don't take credit, then you don't have to take the criticism either. And I think it's a pretty awesome, maybe buoyant place to live. It's not always easy to do that. Um, but I'm committed to kind of just live with that perspective and, and roll with, oh, you're great or roll with, you know, you're, you're, you're a nightmare. It well, it seems. It uns- I
1: mean, it seems unfair. Some of those critiques. That's why I asked it. Yeah, you know, it seems a little bit like. Well, what's your alternative? Not having people, good people in somebody's <laughs> right. life, like telling them not to be present at all in their life. I, I don't. Yeah. So yeah. No,
6: I'm glad you answered that. I appreciate it. You have anything else? Great question.
3: Yeah, tell us about your book.
6: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, asking about it. It's. Uh, we're, I'm excited. It's. It's kind of like the. We did a Jesus is blank, and we did a life is blank, and. We've talked before, Billy, about those projects, and I guess I'm kind of a conversation starter. I'm a community facilitator. I mean, if you boil me down, that's really what I'm passionate about, is people really connecting. And um, so, of course, I write books that uh, foster community. And so, I write books first kind of for the people that I stand in front of on Sundays and Wednesdays that I love dearly, and I'm like, hey... Let's use this to connect with each other. So I hope that this book is a conversation starter. I hope that it brings about more meaningful connectedness, community, conversation. Um, and again, I think conversation is completely underrated. Um, lengthy, meaningful, vulnerable, intimate conversations I think are uh, so meaningful. You know, you look at the garden and you see that God. Uh, there's this. Uh, there's this alluding to God would walk in the cool of the day with Adam. And it's as if God just made Adam to talk to him, just to hang. And um, maybe in the information age and the velocity and pace we're all living, we forgot just how super cool it is to sit with you two and just talk about life and what it adds to each of us and what we learn from each other. And I think Christianity is a co-op. I think the human experience is a co-op. Ancient King Solomon said, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and rages against all wise counsel. Clearly, we are not supposed to be alone. We need each other. And so, you know, would people be willing to take this book as a bit of a catalyst and say, all right. All right, I'm going to ask, and you don't have to believe in Jesus to enjoy this book and to benefit from this book. That's certainly who I believe in, but you'll notice within the pages of this book, there's space to say, okay, I'm still on a spiritual journey. Maybe I don't believe in Jesus, but I want to have a true, buoyant, healthy, and alive soul. And uh, can I facilitate a conversation with my closest friends? I love it.
3: I love it too. (laughs) Awesome. I love you guys. Well,
6: thank you. This has been great. Thank you for coming down. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome.
4: The And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass.
0: And, and now we're going to talk about religious freedom under the Trump administration. Billy is
4: pretty, 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 pretty. Pretty I am sure pretty. That, that, I am pretty, uh, that,
0: thank uh, you. that um uh Mr. Trump Donald Trump is going to be taking away all of our crosses. So explain yourself, <laughs> Billy.
1: Uh <laughs> no, I, I I actually think that the one thing I think he's not going to backtrack on, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he won't. I don't think he will will be the Supreme Court, because that was the one issue, the sole issue. That he had pledged and promised, and I think it's the it's the sole issue that many people who were willing to vote for him, even if they didn't want to, um, were were voting for him for that issue. I think, yes, I've, I've, I get so tired of talking to other conservatives about this because it's like, yes, we know conservative justices don't always go the conservative route. Yes, we know it's not always going to be a key to ensure. What was that? I'm sorry, I hit a button on my computer. I'm like, what in the world? Sorry, yeah, I thought it was that woman screaming again about Hillary um, oh, losing. This, but wait, this know, one. Look, the, the oh, it didn't work. Go ahead. You're trying to like, you're trying to ruin my monologue oh, I'm here. Trying, sorry, my rambling monologue. Anyway, the the bottom line is, I think he will select the justices he promised off of his list. You do? Um, or similar. Justices like I maybe Ted Cruz or I don't know. We'll have to wait and I, I see. Kinda, I kind of I hate to say it.
0: I kind of agree with you.
1: I, I just don't think he's going to backtrack on that. I, I do really think he knows people wanted that that people took a gamble on him, specifically evangelicals. And as we heard in the interview earlier, what Jay Richards said about yeah. people who have become very close to Trump in this process. I don't and I don't I,
0: And I don't know why I suddenly agree with you on this. Because going into this election, I'm like, why would I trust him on anything? And I don't know that I still do Try, I I don't know. Suddenly though I have a more positive I, I don't okay, let me say this. I, it's not that I trust him more. It's just I'm more, I'm trying to be more positive about everything because there's nothing I can... Just like Miley Cyrus, I accept him as president. There's nothing I can do to change it. So I'm gonna hope for the best. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm trying to remain optimistic that he's gonna do the right thing when it comes to the Supreme Court. That he's gonna do the right thing when it comes to taxes. That he's gonna do the right thing when it comes to abortion. When it, He's gonna do the right thing when it comes to education and common core. That he's gonna do the right thing when it comes to foreign intervention. That he's gonna do the right thing on whatever. And I hope that he does the right thing. I'm just trying to be optimistic because there's nothing to do there's nothing I can do now to change the fact that he's president elect.
1: There's nothing I I can do. I just don't see what how it benefits him to not make good on the court promise. That is the one. I just think out of any of the other promises, that is the one. And that is the one that has been the most contentious, even among conservatives, because half of them have said or a chunk of them have said, "You, the rest of you are ridiculous. The court right. is not important enough to sacrifice right. you know, whatever. But I mean, again, the people who were so passionately anti-Trump towards the end, I agree with Jay Richards and you weren't in that group. I, I'm talking about the people who were yeah. just like hating, hating, hating yeah, on I've him. I've never hated you, him. You, Right. You are then you are basically saying here, Hillary, go ahead yeah. at that point. And that was my only point. Yeah. I do think these issues are important enough. We cannot gamble the future of people's rights. And no, the court can't be our savior. But the reality is in our system, the way the court is right now, the way it is structured, the way it has been operating. It can help that, offer some protections. Yes. And and we bet yeah. we are at and I think Eric Metaxas was right about this when we had him on. In terms of where we are culturally, we literally have been speeding towards a brick wall as fast as we as fast as we can, and we might have an opportunity to take a little bit of a, de- a, a detour at least, right. maybe not a full turn back around. Right. But this may be that opportunity. We had yeah. no chance with Hillary of that. We and may I, have somewhat of a chance. And
0: I do think, and here's and here's why I'm here's why I'm more optimistic than I would be if simply Trump had just simply won. Period. It's more than simply taking joy out of the fact that that Hillary Clinton and her acolytes are uh, near suicidal, right? Not necessarily. I I shouldn't take light of suicide, but that they are just on the brink of just total collapse.
1: You hear that, right wing watch?
0: (laughs) But where where (laughs) I why why I'm a big part of why I'm optimistic is that everything about the Obama agenda has been repudiated over the last eight years. He won in he won in two thousand eight took a shellacking in 2010. He won in 2012 against a candidate that did not do a good job, but still lost a lot of congressional seats. He took a shellacking in 2014, and his secretary of state blew it. She lost, and she lost in Michigan, and she lost in Wisconsin, and the liberal agenda lost in Pennsylvania. So the fact is, the fact is, the, the Obama agenda was soundly rejected by a large segment of the of the voting populace. I mean, we, we the Republicans control a majority of state governments and state governorships. There's like 31 Republican state governors, uh, Republican governors. It's there has been a repudiation of the liberal agenda, which I think is a good thing. And so that's why I'm kind of optimistic in that I'm hoping that it will give some push to conservatives in Congress and hopefully in the White House to do the right things, to do the things that you said all along that you believe, that you'll actually now go and do them. That's why I'm a little bit optimistic.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I he, the people he's picking, the people he's choosing are the people he obviously wants in those positions. They're people that are very familiar to conservatives. They're people that not everybody loves, obviously. And look, no matter who he picks, they're going to be extreme. Everyone's going to treat them as though they're extremists in the media. You're going to hear the media yeah. saying awful yeah. things about these people. And look, we have to be fair and we have to look at the facts. I think again with Steve Bannon, the facts are just not there to back up the. What insane are your thoughts on this? So,
0: the things that are being said about Steve Bannon. Now, first, let's get into the other people real quick. I'm a big Mike Pence fan, as you know. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, General Flynn being over at National Security Advisor. I think that's probably a good move, probably. I'm a I'm a fan of the idea of uh, of uh, Pompeo running the CIA. I think that's a good move. I'm a big Jeff Sessions fan. I think he'll be great at Attorney General. And who's the other one talked about today? I mean, there have been a bunch not, of others that Mike, have been floated. Not, but... not Mike Huckabee. Not that one.
1: Romney was Romney has been Romney has been talked
0: about for for state, but there was another one that was brought out that was discussed today. AG, CIA Oh, and, and we got it, Mike Flynn. So. Those three big ones were talked about, named today. Um,
1: so uh, yeah, to I. So on the Steve I Bannon guess, thing. What the Bannon thing. The, well, Bannon thing? the Bannon thing. For me, the Bannon thing. He, here's the thing. I don't know enough about him either way to conclude yeah. that he is this horrible. Bigot. What I do know is we're basing his anti-alleged anti-Jewish sen- sentiment on a divorce document, which, yeah. as we know, are they're notoriously unfriendly documents to right. both parties usually, um, and they're filled with claims that are based on trying to get custody or trying to get an upper hand right. in you a court proceeding. You can't, so, believe,
0: you can't believe the arguments of of uh, from they come from a divorce
1: proceeding most of the time. And 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 this is why we've got Alan Dersowicz, and I can never say his last name right, but defending Bannon and saying, I don't have evidence. We just don't know.
0: I don't think that's—I'm more concerned about Bannon's attitude of governance than I am about his attitude toward Israel. I don't think he's anti-Israel at all. What I do have an issue with is the fact that he went on and has done interviews talking about how he's like, we have— the Republicans have control of both houses of Congress and the White House. We're going to push stuff through. We're going to throw whatever we can at the wall and sticks. That's a quote. We're going to try to push through a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. Now is the time to do it. The interest rates are low. It's incredibly cheap money right now to go out and, and rebuild everything you can possibly rebuild. As though as though huge amounts of government spending are going to fix the economy. The, the The government takes money out of the economy. It doesn't put money into the economy.
1: Well, the thing, and I will say this. What's interesting about Trump is, and I haven't listened to all of his speeches on this, but when he talks about infrastructure, a lot of what he's talking about is just fixing it because it's so crumbling. A lot of times you hear, like when Obama talked about it, it was... We need to do this because it's going to create jobs like this is going to create jobs. Trump's has really been much more. We need to do this because we have third world everything and it needs right. to be fixed. And right. I'm not saying that's true in every instance, but he's also colored by living that's, in New York. But that's not, not- but
0: that's not Bannon's position. Right, they, they I, exa- think that they're yeah.
1: going to help the economy by spending a trillion
0: dollars on infrastructure.
1: Right, and maybe that's how he's going to try to sell it to get Trump to it's agree ridiculous. to push this through. I don't know, but Ugh. you know, you've got the Tappan Zee Bridge, which you may not know much about that, but it's yeah. a, it's a huge bridge that is much needed here, that basically is unsafe, that we're all driving over, that they're rebuilding as we speak, and there wasn't even money to do that. You know, so there have been a lot of in New York, Laguardia is a third world country, as Trump and Biden have said numerous times, and it's <laughs> an awful airport. So you know, we, we have a lot of issues for sure um, across the country and and, but but your point is interesting you know how are you framing that are you framing it as something that needs to happen because it needs to happen and I have no problem with spending money on things that need to be fixed I I think that that makes sense we need to do that or are you selling it as this is going to create all these jobs and that's why we're doing it
0: but I think I think we spend too much money on federal money on infrastructure I think it needs to go back toward being a state issue states take care of their roads if you want to have toll roads you have toll roads that's fine but you don't you're not getting any federal dollars i I, I would be for that but whatever yeah I yeah I don't know well, let, I mean I let private businesses we, build the roads and own the roads
1: yeah I think it's probably not. I don't have strong views on it because I'm I i do not know enough about the ins and outs of all of it. I think in New York everyone's colored differently because our toll roads are so expensive. I mean, yeah. to get anywhere, it's it, yeah you know, already you're talking about yeah. a twenty dollar oh, yeah. trip sometimes, yep. you know, yeah, to go yeah. somewhere. So it's um to to increase that would be difficult, but that doesn't mean that the federal government needs to be yeah funding it either. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know I don't know how to make it cheaper and more accessible. But back to for ba-
0: back to Bannon, I think he's an authoritarian. I have an issue with that. Uh, I think that he's a crass, foul-mouthed, um, from from people I have heard talk about him, consider him a jerk. I don't know him, so I can't say that about him. However, people I trust say that about him. Uh, he has said and done some things that are very progressive, conservative progressive. They're big government things. They are. He called himself what a, a Stalinist or a Leninist or what did he call himself? Do you remember? It was a I think it was a, Len- it was a Leninist. Leninist, and just you know, grabbing power and taking power for power's sake. I have issues with all those things. I let's take issue with the things that we have a problem with that we can actually <coughs> prove, not these accusations of sexism or racism or bigotry,
4: right? Because we, some
1: of Glenn's so, comments about him have been a little over the top. I felt though too. So
4: I don't I, know. I think I now just... Glenn's
0: comments about him. I think I haven't listened to all of them. Have been based largely on the fact that that Bannon said. Said he was making Breitbart. I believe. A, I believe I've got this right. That he was saying that they were making Breitbart a platform for the alt right. That is an uh, That is a problem.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about the quotes either way. But let's not act like there's not bad blood between the Breitbart well, sure. crew and yeah, oh yeah. You Glenn,
0: there's there's definitely bad blood there. <clears>
1: so. And I, I'm not taking sides because I I don't like this whole alt right thing. I find so disturbing because I a yeah, it's disturbing. But B, I can't figure out who the hell, what the hell, alt-right means. Nobody seems to know what exactly is going on. So we just know we know
0: how it's been. We know what has been painted, but we don't know how it's actually defined. Right, right. People right. are people are describing alt-right, or acting like alt-right means this or alt-right means that, when, when, it, when they use it for whatever fits their agenda excuse me, whatever fits their agenda. So.
1: Well, that's because Hillary swept in on her broom and decided. Oh, I didn't mean that. Um, she flew in on her. Anyway, and and decided that she was going to give the speech and and label this and and try to make this stick. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just right. I don't. Right.
0: Oh, I agree. I, I agree. I agree.
1: All right. I don't know. Well, are I, we done? I think we are.
0: Let's let's end with let's end with this.
4: You're awake, by the way. <laughs> You're not having a terrible, terrible dream. Also, you're not dead, and you haven't
0: gone to hell. This is your life now. This is our election now. This is us. This is our country. It's real. Okay. We are surrounded by silly people, Billy.
1: Doofuses.
0: Hey, are we gonna do a are we gonna do a Thanksgiving show before Thanksgiving? Yeah. Okay, so early next week then. We'll record something. That's right. Are you making a promise right. now to the people? Yep, Leia. All right.
2: Church Boys.